Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. Context 0868104106. Dominating the front page of every single newspaper this morning is the death of little Santina Cawley. Uh, all of the papers talk of it. I'll be coming back to the trial in a few minutes' time. Karen Harrington of Lakelands Crescent in Mahan has gone on trial charged with the murder of the toddler Santina Cawley in July 2019. Um, and the headlines this morning in the papers include Murder Trial Begins, this morning's Echo, Night the Toddler Death Recalled, Taunted, Terrorised, Murdered is the headline making the front of the star today with injuries all over her body. As Santina bruised all over her body is the front page of the mirror today. The tragic tot suffered devastating injuries as dad's ex-partner denies the attack. This is the case before the Central Criminal Court in Cork. Um, she suffered, the little two-year-old suffered blunt force trauma, extensive bruising to the head, abdomen and limbs. In fact, the papers say all over her body. Uh, this morning, the sons say that little Santina had absolutely no chance, found dead on a blanket with a fractured skull and fractured ribs and lots more besides. The examiner uh, and the broadsheets carry extensive court reports this morning um, and uh, also include uh, photographs of Bridget, uh, who I spoke to on air a couple of years ago, Santina's mammy, uh, very, very, very distraught. Uh, mother, of course, as you can expect, and all of the papers today go into the court reports in quite some detail. So more about that in a few minutes' time. Also, one other story on Lisa that's very, very important that we cover is the uh, the death of uh, Timmy Horan, the 53-year-old um, who was found dead in uh, just outside his tent. You know the tented village that was set up in the Mardike? Um, back in 2019, and uh, groups of people lived there. Uh, well, a 28-year-old man who set upon the father of one at the homeless camp in Cork City before punching and kicking him to death was jailed for 11 years yesterday. And that man, uh, James Brady, and another man who cannot be named uh, for legal reasons at the tented village in the where homeless people lived in October of 2019. Um, he had uh, pleaded not guilty to murdering Timmy, the former chef who was once, as I remember chatting with him myself some, some years back, he was a chef and uh, was a damn good chef in his day and worked for the Hilton Group. Uh, but anyway, apparently, subsequent to that, James Brady later admitted uh, to uh, Timmy Horan's manslaughter because uh, witnesses came forward. That story is extensively covered in this morning's Examiner and indeed the Echo. 11 years jail for killing the homeless chef. In other news this morning, if you thought things were bad for some, it could get a hell of a lot worse. And I'm not talking about utilities or fuel. I'm talking about mortgage rates. The front of the mail this morning has uh, mortgage experts and financial experts warning of a disaster for homeowners if multiple increases in interest rates start from July. And sometimes that that's needed to tackle inflation, of course. Um, meanwhile, it, it hasn't gone away, you know, people struggling to pay their daily bills, including their energy bills. With a story in the mirror this morning, a lot of statistics today for you. Four in ten households struggling to afford their home energy needs. Um, and I imagine it's probably higher than that because spending right across the board has gone up. And to some extent, people have had to change their spending habits. This morning, the examiner uh, picks up on uh, the story of, of refugees coming into the country and the amount of money, of course, this needs to be set aside by the state. It's, it's upwards of three billion now is the bill that's been put on dealing with perhaps up to 100,000 Ukrainian refugees, but lots of hotels and, of course, 
guest houses have changed their their business model. And we were dealing last week with the Quality Hotel in Yall, preparing to welcome refugees. That's a front page you're making the echo today now, where the head of operations down there is uh, declining to identify the new owners of the hotel, um, but saying that uh, they are being transformed into a care centre for now anyway. They've got 25 bedrooms uh, 48 two-bedroom apartments and holiday homes, which can cater, the holiday homes can cater up to, to seven people. So just, you know, mention the Quality Hotel. Remember as well that the old Imperial Hotel in Yall also uh, flipped to, I suppose the term being used now is, a care centre with 43 Ukrainians there. So we'll have some more on that across the morning because, of course, the idea now is to... Uh, actually, the Independent this morning is also suggesting that the government is is thinking that, OK, there's a lot of student accommodation right across the ground, an awful lot of it in Cork, that will be empty during the summer and that easily you could find uh, 6,000 Ukrainians living quite happily and comfortably in the student accommodation around the country. So they're reaching out, as they say, to universities and to those that run student accommodation to allow them to be used uh, over the summer. Um, there's an interesting one makes the, the, the um, mirror this morning. Apparently, 43 prisoners, including those serving time for kidnap, threats to murder and homicide, escaped from Irish jails over the past four years. 43 of them now. 41 have returned. Um, and uh, and uh, I know one is, I don't know, they, the numbers don't add up, but they say all but all of those who made a run for it. 41 have been returned to custody and only two remain unaccounted for. So 43 legged it, 41 are back and two of them still remain uh, fugitives. You might wonder how they actually got away from prison. Well, some actually got out of closed jails. Uh, others escaped on prison escorts. Others escaped while appearing in court. Or others escaped during a hospital or a medical appointment. Um, but you got to wonder, where are the two fugitives now who were never caught? And I know that a lot of the time I have conversations with people either on air or emails or stories being shared with regards to rogue traders. There's an incredible one makes this morning's independent, which I'll drill into in further detail this morning. But it's a pensioner who's absolutely determined that the culprits who took him from money are caught and is warning in the Independent this morning other potential victims. And the guards are warning people also that you will have these characters calling for your door and going on about all of this nonsense about your gutters and your roof and look at the work I did up the road and come and have a look and give me a deposit and I put it all right. Your man was conned out of €850, Euro, but it could have been a hell of a lot worse. It could have been upwards of eight and a half or maybe nine grand. At one stage, the character so who was conning him out of the money went up on the roof and came down and said, well, there's a lot more than problems with the slates now. There's an awful, awful dry rot, which there wasn't actually. It was independently checked. And it'll actually be more like 8,000 or maybe 9,000 euro to do the work. The roof's in an awful state and the dry rot needs to be dealt with and everything. He said, tell you what we'll do. Um, you'll be able to claim off your insurance on this. So why don't you claim 15 grand? Give me the nine grand and keep the balance yourself. I mean, that's the kind of nonsense they're going on with. So more on that throughout the course of the morning. If your child daydreams, leave him alone. Because daydreaming is a wonderful, wonderful thing for child. In fact, daydreaming is a wonderful thing for anybody at any age. Set aside some time maybe during your lunch break, to have a little bit of daydreaming. It's good for you. There's a report in survey making this morning's mail. Mind you, uh, there are those that are saying now, well, we wouldn't have time to do any daydreaming because our lunch break just keeps getting shorter and shorter. You might be interested to hear that the traditional lunch 
itself of an hour or an hour and a quarter is well and truly dead in the water. With the average worker's lunchtime break, which now incidentally has moved to midday as opposed to one o'clock in the day, has now been shortened to 29 minutes. I mean, you want to tell the Spanish that, like, in their three-hour lunch breaks. I mean, I know they worked later in the day and could be working till 8 o'clock at night. But they downed out tools at 1 o'clock, sometimes 2 o'clock, and don't go back till 5. 29 minutes for a lunch break. Even when employees do take a break for lunch, apparently, a third of them are saying that they still check and respond to messages in that time. They responded as well, took messages more quickly while working from home because they were afraid they'd be accused of slacking. And apparently nearly 20% of them said they received direct criticism or passive-aggressive comments from managers for failing to read messages promptly during a lunch break. I mean, if somebody's having a lunch break, and it's an official, like, we work through lunch, we tip away here, so I can't talk about anybody else in that regard, but... If you're on a lunch break, you know, you shouldn't be responding to any messages. You should be enjoying your lunch or reading a book with your Sambo or taking a bit of air or having a fag, if anybody does that anymore, or all of the above. Uh, This business of people getting in touch with these passive-aggressive comments, that's just not on. And the papers also talk today about dream jobs Um, and, you know, the amount of people who actually ended up in the job that they always dreamed of as a child. And I'd love to come back to that a little later on this morning and chat with you, maybe over the next day or two, as to what, as a child, your dream job in life would have been. I know I've said it on many occasions in the past. Mine was to be a Mr. Whippy van driver. Never got there, although for a couple of summers I did take a Whippy van uh, around to uh, holiday destinations and sun destinations around Cork. And that was fun. But for me, that's what it was, is a smallie. I suppose I lived with the belief that I could eat all the ice cream, you see. The number one talk show in Cork. If it's happening in Cork, Neil is talking about it. The Neil Prendeville Show on Red FM. Okay, uh, lines are open. You can text 086-8104-106. And uh, I just need to warn you, some of the details that I'm about to discuss with Paul Byrne of Virgin Media News, some people may find distressing. He was in court yesterday here on on Side, because the trial has begun into uh, the investigation into the death of uh, Santi- well the investigation has been done and of course the Guardian gave the file to the DPP and the court case has now begun um, at uh, the uh, first day of the trial of the Central Criminal Court sitting in Cork Karen Harrington is before the court on trial charged with the murder of little toddler Santina Cawley in July of 2019 and Paul Byrne joins me by phone Paul good morning Good morning, Neil. When we were chatting about this last night, you said that this was an opportunity yesterday uh, for the court, maybe both sides in the trial, to lay out what the jury can expect in the coming weeks. Is that right? That's right. Um, The jury was sworn in just before midday yesterday, and they were told that the case will take up to a month. We could hear from anything in in excess of 100 witnesses uh, between now and the end of the trial. Uh, When Karen Harrington was arraigned and charged with the murder, arraigned on the charge of murder, she replied, not guilty. Uh, the case got underway and basically the prosecution outlined the points of law and then went into some of the evidence that the jury is expected to hear in the course of the month. Now, 
the jurors were told that they'll hear how uh, Santina Cawley, along with her father and the accused Harring Harrington, were out on the Thursday, that's the day before Santina Cawley died. Later that evening, they returned to an apartment on the Boring Manor Road where they attended a, par- a party. Now, around 25 past one in the morning, the jury was told that they'll hear how there was a heated exchange, uh, some words were exchanged between Karen Harrington and Michael Cawley, that's Santina's father. Karen Harrington it's understood will be uh, we'll hear that she left the party returned to her apartment and then later in the morning Michael Cawley and his daughter went back to Karen Harrington's apartment the jury will also be told that uh, Michael Cawley left Santina with Karen Harrington to go back to where the party had been taking place to look for his mobile phone he was told to go away come back tomorrow he continued on into town to look for a relative of his who was in town and the jury will also hear evidence then that while he was in town neighbours at of Karen Harrington could hear what they described as roaring and shouting and what sounded like the uh, breaking or smashing glass coming from that apartment. Prosecutors said the jury will also be told how not only did one person hear a child crying from the in the apartment, but that man will also say how he heard the accused Karen Harrington shouting directly at Santina, as well as taunting, mocking and terrorising the two-year-old. Now, I just want to warn uh, listeners that some of the following um, evidence is um, upsetting. It can be graphic, so there, there is just a health warning. Um, guards were called to the apartment um, at, on the Bory Manor Road because of a disturbance. Now, they got there and they found nothing suspicious, they couldn't gain entry nobody answered the door and after finding nothing uh, was out of shape or out of form, they left at around 5am now, Michael Cawley, the court will be told, Santina's father, returned to Karen Harrington's apartment at around uh, 7 minutes later and when he went into the apartment at uh, 7 minutes past 5am he found little Santina was naked and under a duvet and there was severe bruising to her forehead Karen Harrington, the jurors were told, uh, will hear how Karen Harrington uh, was uh, fast asleep on a couch. Uh, Michael Cawley uh, went to wake her up and asked what happened. Uh, It's understood that jurors will hear how she then ran and left the apartment. Emergency services were alert, Neil, and uh, they were on the scene within minutes. Um, Those present carried out CPR on little Santina, who was described as warm to the touch but lifeless. There was blood on her face and clumps of her hair were missing. A faint faint heartbeat, I think, I read in the court report. (sighs) That's right. Um, Warm to touch, lifeless with that faint heartbeat. Uh, Very upsetting evidence. Obviously, Santina's mum, Bridget, was in court. Uh, Michael Cawley was in court. And Bridget, at one stage, as well as Michael, who are now separated and uh, no longer together, uh, had to run from the courtroom um, while some of the evidence was being outlined to the court. Um, I, I read in Olivia Kelleher's copy for the examiner and the echo this morning, a faint heartbeat was detected, CPR was commenced, Santina was transferred to hospital where she died at 20 past nine that morning. 
That's right. Um, and um, Bridget was with Santino, um, holding her uh, daughter's hand when she passed away. Um, but, but once Santino was taken to the hospital earlier that morning, paramedics battled to save her life. They worked on the, the child for several hours, but um, they unfortunately lost that battle. And she was pronounced dead about 20 past nine in the morning. Uh, post-mortem found that Santina had died from a fractured skull as well as multiple injuries. Um, the jury was told they'll hear that there was scarcely a part of her body that didn't show some form of trauma and the injuries they again the jury will hear that they weren't consistent with what will be described as rough and tumble of uh, child play yeah, I mean, it is extensive, the reporting on the injuries. They call it uh, blunt force mm-hmm. trauma with extensive bruising to the head, the thorax, the abdomen, the limbs, injuries to her spine, nose, bruising <coughs> to her mouth, fracture of the ribs, fracture to the skull, and a brain injury. <sighs> Bruised all over. Absolutely. Yeah, bruised. As, as I said, the, the, the prosecution said that um, scarcely a part of her body that didn't show some form of trauma. Okay. A very, very upsetting day for for um, the jurors, for the family, for everybody in court yesterday. Will you, will and, you cover uh, that every day? Um, some days we, 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 we're covering it again today, Neil, and tomorrow. Uh, today I understand that there's CCTV will be shown to the jurors of people coming and going from the apartment. We'll also hear possibly today or tomorrow from Santina's father, Michael Cawley. Uh, you know, but uh, some days that the trials can go into legal argument where the jurors will be sent home and anything that's in legal argument can't be reported on. But, um, you know, people were told that this will last for up to a month. Okay, okay. Listen, thank you for the update on that, Paul. I do appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. As, As traumatic and upsetting as it must have been for people to hear it, little Santina Cawley. You can text 0868104106, pick up the phone on 0818104106, back after the break. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now, 0868104106, Red FM. Very interested to uh, hear audio there earlier on uh, where people who might have an opinion on housing or homes for everybody or the hotel issue and the guest house issue or accommodation for refugees um, running the risk of being called racist or anti immigrants or anti-refugees when that really isn't what this is about at all. Um, I think people are entitled to a voice all of the same and a lot of the time the majority voice gets silenced and that's unfortunate I think. Uh, So from yesterday's programme we found that there's nearly 7,000 households across Cork who uh, are in need of social housing up to the back end of last year. We also heard yesterday that there are more than 9,000 vacant homes in Cork. You couldn't make this stuff up. Now that is a combination for fear that you might think it's all public authority housing. It's not. It's a combination of public authority housing and private housing. So that's the amount of vacant homes in Cork alone. The cost that's been put aside now to help Ukrainian refugees across the year uh, is set now at €3 billion, which the Cabinet has managed to find. Many are asking the question here to why they weren't able to find it heretofore in the past uh, to house our own people. And of course, you know, when when needs must, um, you would think that they would be able to rise to that challenge. But they failed in that regard. So a lot of texts on this. Listen to Neil on housing and what they're doing for refugees. I'm all for helping people who are fleeing from a war-torn country. But the lengths that this country goes to to help everyone else in need, bar their own, just sickens me. Hearing all this funding that the government's come up with, uh, the three billion all of a sudden, sorting all these housing issues when it's clear it's been like this for years. My wife and I are in a situation where a house is two and a half years into construction and still nowhere near getting done. I understand it's a private estate, not a council estate, 
but how the government can't get involved in these situations as well infuriates me. As always, the leadership in this country thinks of everyone else by their own, and it's disgusting. Desi says, there's a simple answer to what they're doing with the vacant houses. If you do the houses up for local people, you look good in the city council. If you do the vacant houses up for refugees, you look good in Europe, America and the world. And your next job as a politician is in Europe or maybe a big body involved in America. It's a no-brainer why politicians behave this way. One final one. My son was once again outbid by a speculator. He has never been out of work. He's paying 900 a month for an apartment sharing with someone. Uh, I always told my children, have good education, get a good job, you'll do well in life. But it seems that now it should be don't work and you'll do much better in life. He's now trying for affordable housing. But with all the refugees coming in, I fear he doesn't stand a chance there either. May I add uh, that uh, the Ukrainians are genuine refugees. But the last few years, we've had people coming here. Most of them lied about running from war zone countries. They have all been housed as well. I despair for my children. Um, morning, typical Irish government not looking after their own again. I understand there's a war and it isn't their fault. Uh, but there are Irish people homeless and others on the street. These politicians were elected by Irish constituents to solve Irish problems. They'll talk about having respect for each other, uh, but a system just like this breeds racism and discrimination in society. I bet all other European countries aren't handing out the same level of support. Uh, the land of the Cade Milia Falcha, except if you're Irish. You must suck it up and get on with it, says Richie. Uh, I can't believe you're agreeing that the Irish taxpayer has to wait for the Ukrainians to go home to get a house. You're worse than the government, Neil. Well, I didn't directly say that. I said, this is a temporary measure and they will ultimately go home. And if it leads to... I don't know, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80,000 homes and properties being refurbed quickly. They will be there for everybody else, I said, when the Ukrainians ultimately go home. Now, you can agree or disagree with me. That's fine by me. But I won't give out the details of this chap who got in touch. He says, I was listening with interest on Monday morning uh, regarding the big plans to help those fleeing war in Ukraine. I also noticed uh, comments made your station by Dara Murphy's party colleague, Christopher O'Sullivan TD, who says he hopes that the need to house Ukrainian refugees will kick the state's response to the housing crisis eventually into gear. Good point he made. But let me tell you this. There are two construction companies employed by the council to bring local authority houses back online. I know of quite a number that have been done up in the past two years and they still remain vacant. One such property is a six-bedroom in Mayfield. Another is in Glencree Crescent. Another one completed two years ago and still unoccupied. There is currently one residence in Shannon Lawn, one in Lagan Grove, two in Annerley Grove, one in Ballanderry Park, two in Cloyne, all done by one construction company in the past two years, but yet to be handed out. There are three units in Yaw that are just finished. There are five more in the middle of completion, three of which are in Cove and two in Carrick Tool, all still empty. Isn't it amazing how emergency situations from outside the state prompts the puppets of Europe to get off their laurels? Don't give up my details, for I fear I will lose my well-paid job. So somebody needs to add up all of those properties. I think it's certainly at least 12, maybe 15 from that one emailer alone. But to the phone lines we go, because I want to chat with Christopher O'Sullivan, Christopher O'Sullivan, the uh, Cork Fianna Fáil TD. Christopher, good morning. Can you hear me all right? 
Yeah, okay. Okay. yeah, no, it's not a great line. We'll see how we get on. Anyway, the need to house Ukrainians will kick the state's response to the housing crisis into gear. Why have they found the will now? And they never did in the past, do you think? And this is a government party of which you're a member of. No good. I'll have to come back to you in a few minutes' time because that phone line is completely and utterly inaudible. Back after the break. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818-104-106. Red FM. Christopher Sullivan, is that line any better, I wondered? Can you hear me? Christopher? Yep. Oh, is that better for you? Yeah, Neil, can you hear me? Okay, that's fine. Anyway, did you hear the intro there that I had at least? You were able to hear that with regards to I heard the, the intro and I just like to point out from your last contributor there, I questioned the um, validity of their statement, particularly when they started out by saying that myself and Darren Murphy were in the same party, which is completely not okay. just there. Okay. I'm okay. uh, Fianna Fáil, but I got you. Anyway, that's, yeah. a, that's a small point. Yes, absolutely. I got, I got Well, in, go, in government together, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, he's, he's no longer, he, he, he has uh, quit politics from, from, from what I can remember. But you're, look, absolutely, let's not get into the, 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 those finer details and follow up with that. You're correct in what you're saying. Successive governments have failed on housing. We have a housing crisis. Housing and climate uh, are the two big crises of our time, of this generation. Sorry, I think initially, yeah. actually, he should have said Dara O'Brien. So let me just clear that up. Okay. The emailer said Dara Murphy. My apologies for that. I that should have corrected that. that. But, but he that, did. He did. He, he has listed one. Uh, Mayfield, Shannon Lawn, Lagangrove, Annalee Grove, Ballanderry Park, Cloyne. Carrick Tool, Cove and Yall. These are all finished projects, all finished homes, some of them over two years ago, perfectly, beautifully refurbed and and still locked up and empty. But yet all of a sudden we have a war and a refugee crisis and the government have decided, okay, here's a good good chance now where we can deliver accommodation, refurbish state and privately owned properties to refugees. I mean, you couldn't make this up. You know, to say it at the outset, I would have to say that the urgency in and around housing has uh, increased dramatically since Dara Bryan came into the position of Minister for Housing. He took up the position uh, two years ago. Within his first year, he had the Housing for All plan. We had the Land Development Agency Act passed in, into law. And now we have seen improvements already. So, for example, commencements in 2021 were at uh, over 30,000. That was a 40% increase in 2020. So we are seeing an increase in the provision of housing, which ultimately will um, help towards solving the housing crisis. But having said that, absolutely, it shouldn't take um, a, a war in Ukraine or a, a crisis with refugees uh, entering the country to accelerate the um, different solutions to the uh, speed at which they're being accelerated at the moment. I totally accept that point. But having said that, I think we should very much um, use this opportunity to increase housing provision, to bring vacant houses uh, back into the housing market and to to increase accommodation right, right across the country. And For who? Very important, For who? A very important, well, this is a very important point that I think has to be made. It should not be a case of either or. It shouldn't um, be a case of, um, you know, we, we have, we're expecting up about around 100,000 Ukrainian refugees. You're right in what you're saying in the outset there, Neil. Yeah. Many of these refugees will return. In fact, we are hearing um, anecdotal stories that many refugees are already returning to the likes of Kiev, which they feel is, is a much safer place to return to at this point. But it, it shouldn't be an either or. Yes, I do absolutely fundamentally, fundamentally believe we do have to provide safe, secure um, accommodation for Ukrainian refugees, mostly women and children who are fleeing uh, an absolutely illegal and horrible invasion of their country. That's, you know, I think that's fundamental into how Ireland has always done its business. But I totally agree with you. There is 
an opportunity here, not just to provide uh, housing for Ukrainian refugees, but think of the people uh, in direct provision and people in direct provision who have got their documents. They may have their naturalization papers for the last two years, but because they can't avail of any accommodation, social uh, social housing or private accommodation, they have had to remain within these um, direct provision centres, which are not absolutely not nice places to be. And then we come to a homeless crisis. Oh, no, but OK, um, just on just on direct provision, are you suggesting that those in direct provision should be moved immediately or quickly or ASAP to their own social homes? I think it's all about equality here, Neil. I think uh, Ukrainian refugees, people in direct provision, Irish people who find themselves homeless, the uh, 8,000 or the 6,000 or nearly 7,000 Irish people who find themselves on the housing list in, in Cork. Uh, and I'd go further than that. You have the squeezed middle as well who can't afford homes. And that is why uh, Dara Bryan is bringing forward the affordable housing schemes and why Cork County Council have just as recently as last month um, written out to developers and landowners uh, looking for expressions of interest in an affordable housing scheme so that you have a multifaceted, multi-stranded approach to solving the housing crisis. So this conversation about either or, it should be, we need to look after our own first ahead of looking after Ukrainian refugees. I think there is an onus on us uh, to look after everyone's safety. A lot of people believe that though and they're being, there's a pushback now saying that they're being racist or that they're being anti-immigrant or any, anti-those that are fleeing injustice or war. Um, but they still believe that the Irish should be looked after first. Look, I, can, I, I, would, I would hope that that sentiment is amongst a small minority. I've seen the generosity that has been expressed towards Ukrainian refugees who have been coming into Ireland. People who have given their homes over uh, to accommodate Ukrainian refugees. Also, if anyone went down to these uh, so-called com- community rest centres, these rest centres for refugees, where you have situations, and I, I visited the one in Clannacilty, you have situations where uh, young women uh, are getting changed, are, are uh, coming out of the shower, are in told in front of elderly men who they don't even know. I mean, it, it's, it's not a nice situation, and a situation that we can't continue. So what I'm saying here is, there has to be equity here. Of course, we have to look after our own. We have to look after uh, Irish people who find themselves. So, why don't you, why don't you mention that the, the, the families in, in bed and breakfasts who, who can't cook for themselves or are out all day or uh, who might get a breakfast and get no lunch or dinner or um, also have to share facilities with other people, you know, in the, in the, in the B&B, for instance, or in emergency accommodation or in refuges? Well, it's certainly a step up from a situation where you have a community hall where 54 people are sleeping on uh, camper beds mm. with absolutely no partition. So it's certainly a step up on that, but it's not ideal. I mean, and, and let's come back to the point here. The solution here is is permanent housing for all, um, for Irish people, for people who find themselves here because they're fleeing a war to our country. And this is where the, the solutions that are being discussed, which absolutely, I mean, your callers are right, these solutions should have been on the table months and months ago, not months ago, years ago, the idea of modular homes, modular homes, which are of an incredible standard now, they're insulated. You can have two, three-bed modular homes, which are en suite and which have um, uh, facilities, toilet facilities and, and, and bathroom facilities, put on not just public land, but also on zoned land, zoned land that has been lying idle um, for decades upon decades. That is a solution there that will not just... Um, home Ukrainian refugees who need accommodation, safe accommodation, but could also home um, Irish families. And particularly among those 7,000 people on housing lists in in Cork County and City deal, 
a huge proportion of them, thousands, are single men and women. Mm. Uh, and this uh, idea of uh, taking places like convents and public buildings um, into state ownership and turning them into apartments, that could go a long way towards solving a, a crisis that nobody has able, been able to get a handle of for decades, and that is with um, single men, single women, uh, who are just cannot get rent, they cannot get... Uh, uh, social housing accommodation because guess what we don't build uh, one bedroom apartments we should we should start and there here's an opportunity to do that but what about the 9000 that are already vacant i know it's a cumed figure between public authority and private authority but i'd say a fair few thousand of those are owned by cork city and county council yeah so obviously like a cabinet today Dara Bryan is bringing forward a memo with uh, I mentioned the modular homes that would be part of it, but there'll also be a memo in terms of bringing uh, voids within uh, local authority housing back into housing. Now, in fairness, I will have to commend Cork County Council. They have a fantastic record of bringing void and vacant social homes, uh, doing up to a standard and putting them back on the social housing market again. Not by uh, virtue of what I just read out from somebody in the they, trades who listed out loads Cork, of them. Cork, Cork County Council will have a back record. I'm not sure if... It, Obviously, there will be voids, and there still are voids out there. Okay, but, so what will happen with those nine thousand? Say, the pri- what will he be talking about this morning if they're privately owned, no, vacant? I, no, I, the, the the voids this morning that I understand that Minister Brian is bringing to cabinet is our social housing vacant voids and and um, bringing forward emergency legislation to br- to bring them uh, up to a standard. So, the, what would what that involve? Uh, an additional budget given to councils to get the work done fast. An additional budget, and you mentioned the three billion budget there for provision of accommodation for Ukrainian refugees. We have to remember also that in the last uh, year's budget there was four billion announced uh, for to tackle the housing crisis in Ireland in general. So there is a lot of money being thrown at that. So that that will be an acceleration. And and there's lots of red tape as well and bureaucracy that gets in the way of these voids, Neil, and bringing them into um, good standard. I think all of that could be streamlined and expedited. But is that what's he going to do? Is he going to say that planning objections or planning applications will be set aside so they can be refurbed and finished and brought back to habitable status fast? Is it? I think a streamlined service because you've so so many different um, uh, documentation. You've got so many different licenses in order to be put in place. You think, example, uh, houses have to be um, fireproofed. I get that. But say in the case of public authority ones, the um, uh, Daryl O'Brien's budget or money set aside will pay for those. But who's going to pay for the vast majority of them, which are probably privately owned, empty and vacant? So I I, I think that is a longer term solution, Neil. I can't see a situation where those... uh, uh, privately owned vacant properties on high streets, on main street, town town main street. You take, for example, Bandon, Skibbereen, Drimmer League, where you have a lot of these terraced houses which are vacant. I think that's long term and, and that's where housing for all comes in. But that's didn't Helen McEntee kind of hint that she would force people to do them up or she'd take them off them? Well, there, there will be, and this is part of Cree Cunningham, which is part of the housing for all plan, where there will be uh, tax, um, uh, I suppose, penalties um, if you do leave a property vacant, but also a big part of it, and, and we must remember, as part of this housing crisis, you have first-time buyers who simply cannot afford to buy homes. Affordability is out of their reach and try to bring homes into their affordability. A part of this solution is the Cree Cunningham Fund, which will give first-time buyers uh, a significant grant, the details of which have yet to be announced, but we're talking a significant grant to incentivize them to take these on-street vacant properties, and if you think of those over-the-shop premises, Neil, which I'm sure you're very familiar with, yeah. those over-the-shop premises which are in bad disrepair, would make a a fantastic first-time home uh, for a couple or an individual who wants to buy a house. That 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 uh, is part of the Creek Connell plan in the housing for all. But that's longer term. I think the quick wins in the short term are the modular homes 
the the voids within social housing and bring them bringing them up to a standard, but also public buildings out there, for example, uh, old convents, yeah. which can be uh, quickly uh, renovated and returned. Oh, I know that, but you see, the alarm yesterday was to do with the thousands of properties that are vacant, either public or private, where it was announced that legislation would be passed, money would be found to do them up, get the front doors open and get refugees living in them. And people then on housing lists freaked out because they're saying I'm 10, 12, 13, 15 years on a housing list. How come all of a sudden this can be done? We're forgotten about. I think the the, the messaging here obviously needs to be clear. This isn't just about uh, housing or accommodating refugee safety. Of course, it is about that. I mean, that's a a large part of it. And that's why this is all all of a sudden sharply in focus. But we have to look um, as well as people who are homeless in Ireland. We have to look at those 7,000 people on the the Cork uh, County and City housing list and those in direct provision who simply cannot get accommodation. They they can't even get happening. And what I'm hearing on the ground is that because they may have a, an African surname or because they may have a Georgian surname, uh, that they're not being considered uh, by a lot of uh, private um, homeowners, which isn't good enough. So in many situations, uh, local authority housing is the only option available to them. But I'm telling you, there are many, many cases out there of, of uh, people in direct provision, genuine people who have flown, fleeing, who have... Oh, there uh, are those direct provisions are a disgrace. They should be absolutely shut down. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely, and my fear is... When but where you home them, I don't know, and there are so many other people looking for a home. I mean, it's all, Michael McGrath says, the government wants to ensure um, that the work that they do to assist Ukrainians doesn't come at the expense of people who are on housing waiting lists or on Irish emergency accommodation lists. But yet the work that they're discussing in Cabinet this morning is to home refugees, isn't it? Manny, I, that's what's brought this into sharp focus, Neil, and you're absolutely right. Yeah. Uh, many of these measures should have been implemented. So why um, why years, wasn't they doing this? Ago. If they found three billion now, why couldn't they find it a decade ago or five years ago or two years ago? I mean, you're, maybe you're we right, should thank the Ukrainians for this, for finally, perhaps, as you said, kick-starting what should have been happening a long time ago. Listen, that's a fair accusation. Successive governments have failed in terms of provision of housing, but... As I've said, Dara has been in position for two years. He, he launched Housing for All Plan a year ago. And now you have a situation where we are seeing a real increases in terms of the provision of houses. We had, As I said before, we had thir- over 30,000 commencements in 2021, which is a 40% increase uh, on 2020. So we're going in the right direction, but we have we, ha- we have to aim at about 33,000 houses a year. That's not going to be easy. Um, but we have to, there are so many other challenges now uh, coming down the line. We have the cost of inflation, the cost uh, of, of building. We have a shortage of skilled labour in order to build these houses. So it's, it's not going to be easy. Uh, it certainly is a challenge, but it's something that we have to put all of government's might into now in order to, to address this crisis. OK, Christopher, thank you for taking the call. Much obliged to you. Uh, Christopher O'Sullivan, Cork, uh, West Cork TD. Lines open on texting 0868104106 or indeed picking up the phone on 0818104106 and I see a lot of texts and comments uh, already. It's diabolical and disgraceful bringing in emergency powers for uh, Irish for a non-Irish problem. What a scandal. There are emergency powers for the Irish people who are on the streets. Why aren't there emergency powers for the people who are on the streets or people looking for a home or people who can afford rent? Uh, why are we bending over backwards? I'm all in favour of helping out with the Ukrainians, but what are we doing about the Irish? We find money for Ukrainians. We find money for direct provision. 
But when Paddy needs a handout, it's never a priority. It's a disgrace, an absolute disgrace. And there's more. Why can't, why can't these emergency powers not be used to help the Irish too? Could it not be 50-50, half for refugees, half for first-time applicants for housing waiting lists on the queue? Uh, if you're on the current housing waiting list and see a huge effort for people who are in a desperate and heartbreaking situation and need immediate help through no fault of their own, you just wish you had a similar effort for you, uh, your needs uh, before. And now you think, I've no chance to get any council home for a very long time. Uh, one or two more. What planet are people on? The people of Ireland need to take to the streets in their thousands before it's too late ensure that shower of delinquents that we've had enough and we won't be bullied or intimidated. It's time for the Irish to wake up. Back after these. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. Uh, back to our phone lines. We're trying to squeeze in at least one this side of uh, 10 o'clock. Tracy, good morning. Good morning. Are you down east around, uh, around y'all? I, I'm in Redburn. Yep. I'm in one of the houses that, uh, well, okay. my my um, landlady doesn't um, do the holiday homes. She rents full term. So I've been living down here for uh, about uh, four years okay. now. Okay, let me, let me just um, qualify because I don't know this. Are you, par- are you in one of the um, sort of holiday homes that is owned by the Quality Hotel? Well, see, the Quality Hotel owns some of the holiday some homes them. down here. Okay. Uh, there's about, uh, there's 52 houses altogether. Um, and I think the hotel might own about 38 of them. I'm not, I, I'm not 100% Here's on what I, Here's um, what I think is the case. that They have 25 guest bedrooms in the hotel, 48 two-bedroom apartments and holiday homes. Um, so yeah. it's a, probably a combination of 48 two-bedroom apartments and holiday homes together. Would that be right? And you have one of the holiday homes. I do, yeah, yeah. Okay, which so, is privately yeah. rented. They're not owned all by the Quality Hotel. That's that's right, okay. yeah, yeah. So you're, are you a um, long-term resident? I am, yeah. And it's actually where, where my family is from. My grandparents, well, my great-grandparents' house would be right down the road from me. So I, my family's from this area. Okay, okay. And do you rent that yourself, or were you placed there by the state? Is it a form no, of... No, no, no. I, I rent it myself with okay. my family. Okay, okay. So what do you make of all of this uh, with regards to what's happening down in, in Yaw with the hotels closing or what have you? Well, I mean, there is a, there's a number of issues, really. One is the lack of transparency. That's caused so much upset in Yall, in Redburn. You know, when people don't know what's going on, you start this rumour mill. And yesterday we were told there was going to be 500 people moving in. Uh, the day before, we were told 300, you know, and this, we all, we, we found out this just a week ago. And really, then I read yesterday also, um, in, in one of the Cork papers, I don't know which, where they were talking about the possibility of job losses down there with regards to oh, people yeah, involved in hospitality 100%. and tourism. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm not working here, but um, I, I do know people that have lost uh, their job with the hotel or potentially apparently they'll be keeping on half the staff from what I've heard. Like I said, there's so much rumors and gossip <laughs> who knows a hundred percent, but because they haven't held a community meeting to let people know what's happening, that's going to happen. You know, people get nervous and the chat starts, but, um, I do know, uh, there's a woman um, who has three children who was working in their cleaning staff and she was evicted. Um, with three children now this the eviction happened 
not in the last week. She was evicted. I think she was given notice about a month ago or maybe a little bit longer. But they, they've known this was happening for a while. This has been in the pipelines for a while, as far as I'm concerned. Are you suggesting that an eviction was in preparation for the arrival of refugees? Well, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised, to be honest. And we it know of pre-booked functions. We know of pre-booked functions and accommodation, etc., all being cancelled, up to and including wedding, weddings and things like that. How's all that going down? And um, well, I mean, everybody's upset about everything. I mean, there's the Iron Man. There's that's like I said, that's one part. That's the economic impact on our our, our community. Job losses, lack of tourism. Um, and, uh, you know, homeless people, they, 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 uh, two months ago evicted an 80 year old couple who had been living here for two years, you know, and these, these are facts. I live here. They were my neighbors. Um, so I don't know, has it been in preparation? And where did they go with the 80 odd year old couple? They, they found a place in y'all. They were lucky. They, they were able, they have family in the area, so they were able to find a place. Um, but the, the woman who was evicted with her three children, she's had to go and sign on um, as homeless. As far as I know, she's in the cottages, in Red Barn Cottages now, but uh, she'll be homeless soon, you know, and uh, that's heartbreaking. So there's that aspect of it. And then there's also the aspect of... Um, you know, there's people that have been in direct provision for seven plus years who've been begging for the right to cook for their children. And now, because we have refugees from another country coming in, I, I think like people have said earlier, it should be a lottery. There should be some, if, they, if this is going to happen, it should be some for people that are families that are on homeless list. Some for people that have been in direct provision, some of them seven plus years that I've worked with. Um, I've done volunteer work with the direct provision center here and it's heartbreaking. But they're apparently going to create a similar thing here. They've only just put a little gloss of paint on it. They're going to put, from what we've heard, they're going to put a Uh, ton of money into landscaping and... uh, um, you know, kind of because they have kitchens now and they'll have this fancy landscaping, they're calling it care centers. It's still direct provision. They're still putting families in with other families who don't know each other and but putting they, people but they, that are but all they, going but, through. But needs must, you know, and it is a temporary thing. <sighs> It is, is a temporary, temporary though, is it? We we don't know, you know, um, but that's what I mean. There's no transparency, so people don't know. So people are anxious. I would rather see it be, um, like I said, part for um, people that are on our homeless uh, list, uh, part for people that are in direct provision for years, and, and part for Ukraine people. I'm not against uh, helping refugees. I've been an advocate for refugees for years, but this screams of racism when you have, okay, we're going to give these houses to just white refugees from Ukraine, but not to... Um, Those you know, in direct provision for many are, years. People yeah. that are from non-white countries, and I hear people saying stuff like, oh, well, it'll be okay because, you know, they're educated and they're like us, like us, human no, like us, white, yeah. it's gross. Yeah. It's disgusting. The, the the division that it's caused, this is why our country is having a problem right now with uh, discrimination and racism and stuff like that because the government is handling things uh, with uh, divide and conquer and it's working. You know, when you don't have transparency and people don't know what's going on, people get nervous and angry. And um, You're safe you know, though where it, you are, are you, with regards to your tenure? 
Oh, my landlord is amazing. Yeah. I am so blessed with her. She, I had, you know, rang her. I said, is it okay for me to speak out about what's happening? And she said, a hundred percent do it. You know, um, uh, she, they, they actually weren't told anything about the hotel being sold and they still have to pay land rent to the owner. Um, there are new owners, I believe. Isn't that the case? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or is there a restructuring? Is it, is it new owners? <laughs> Don't know. It's, it's all very vague. But listen, thanks for taking the call, Tracy. I'm going to pick it up after 10. Text 0868104106. I'm Rory. And I'm Valerie. And you can join us for the very best in local, national and international sport every weekend on The Big Red Bench. That's The Big Red Bench. Every Saturday and Sunday from 6 on Cork's Red FM. Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. And you can pick up the phone on 0818-104-106 and go for it. To the phone lines we go. David Cotter. David, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Your background is in engineering, I think, both here at home and overseas. Is that the case? Yes, mechanical engineering. Okay. And when were you last in Russia, incidentally, David? I was there approximately 18 years ago. 18. So a lot of changes there since then, as we know. Anyway, you wanted to pick yes. up on how we house homeless, how we house direct provision, and how we're going to and already have begun to house refugees. Yes. Yes. Well, um, my sons have, have um, a cottage in Red Bank Cottages. They acquired that approximately seven years ago so that my wife and I, as we get older, that we could go down there, we wouldn't be travelling away anymore. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, they they own the cottage, do they, David? They do own the cottage. Oh, okay, yeah. all right, okay. Go ahead. No, no. Over the last number of years, there's always been the rumor that the um, it, they were going to house asylum seekers there because the hotel is used approximately from the 17th of March until the end of October, so they weren't making enough revenue during that period of time because the, the hotel was then closed. It's very seasonal uh, during the summer. You know, that's yeah. as much as you can expect to make money out of. The rest of the year, it's closed, yeah. yeah. Yes. No, the, the, we were watching the scenario going on. Uh, COVID uh, was the, I, I think, the final straw where it was like that. Uh, all we had left outside the hotel at that stage then was a chip of uh, van uh, uh, selling fish and chips, which was fantastic because it was the chef from the hotel itself was cooking the fish and chips. Right. I asked him last um, last uh, November, I said, if the place opens again, I said, will you go back? He said, I don't think so. No, that was the writing on the wall for me because I went down approximately a month after down to Redbound. We always went down every second weekend because there's a store there, the whole lot. And the you could see they were starting to landscape. So the whole picture was changing down there. They were getting ready. Now, we never thinking that a war was going to happen between Ukraine and Russia. We thought it was for asylum seekers at the time. Mm. No problem. No, it wouldn't have uh, been that because um, they were taking wedding bookings and they were taking uh, room bookings and all sorts of things like that. But it... it, it <laughs> I don't know, do you remember there approximately about 10 weeks back, there was a fantastic article on, on the paper for the state, right? This, this, can I mention the name? Mm-hmm. You know, there was a man, Alan McHenry, and his partner, who was a German, they, they owned the hotel, right? Mm. No, they owned the hotel, and they owned X amount of apartments and X amount of houses. There's, there's 59 houses down there. 
the hotel does not own all the houses. 31 are owned by the hotel, yeah. Yeah. Right, he, he acquired them over a number of years because if anyone made an attempt to buy uh, well, a house I won't down Listen, there, I'm not going to go into any of the details because I don't have any of the information in front of me with regards right. to who bought what and how and when. That's their own personal... That. Yeah, I know. But you see, I, yeah. I, I can't anticipate what you're going to say. So, you know, like I, I just need to deal with the facts as we know them now. I know the hotel was bought, was built... It was bought, it was it opened, it went into Nama, came out of Nama, it was sold, it was kept for a while and then sold again. That's as much as I need to know about it. But wh- where we no, find... No, no, that if it is sold, and just on that point, if it is sold again, why we were told it was an English company had acquired a hotel. I believe it's the government have acquired a lease on the hotel for a number of years. Don't know. Right? The head of operations was asked, Paul Walsh was asked by the examiner and declined to identify the new owners as he said, it's only fair and dignified that our staff are given the details first. He also declined to divulge detailed information but confirmed that the hotel was no longer taking bookings. Um, but right. we but we know what's going into the quality hotel. We we know that it will be Ukrainian refugees, and we know that you know accommodation and weddings and functions have all been cancelled. Um, right, that, that, that's fantastic. I mean, we're just coming out of COVID after a horrendous two years. Everyone is on a mental strain in Ireland and Cork at the moment after coming out of this thing, right? No, for to go away and leave someone to make bookings, right, knowing full well that they weren't going, would not honour these bookings, right? It is actually criminal. It's a terrible thing to do to people. People are ringing my son at the moment to know where he left the place, but the place was bought for us for to go as a summer residence, right? Now, can I just go on to the path? The people who did buy the hotel, if it's the government or it's an English company or a German company, we don't know. They only bought the hotel need. Why did they not buy the treatment plant the leisure centre, where are they going to get their water from? The water is coming at the moment from a well based in Red Barn Cottages, right? They don't even have their own water supply, mm. Mm. right? Now, why, why should Alan McHenry hold on to this? He's going to manage the treatment plant and the water supply for, for, for this Don't know. Hotel. And, 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 and that's for another day. I accept that there's probably a story there with regards to the Club Vitae and the water and all of the things like that. But I need to kind of try and stay focused on right. what's happening in y'all, incidentally, is not exclusive to y'all. It's happening in hotels and places in North Cork, in West Cork, in South Kerry. Many have flipped over to this. And, and if we're to be honest about it, there's probably more money in it because they get booked out all year round as opposed to short summer seasons. So there's a commercial aspect to all of this. That's the reality of it. But I, I, can, I can understand the commercial aspect. But, but I mean, like, as the, the last lady said, like, right, why, why not be open to the people? We're not against the Ukrainian people. I walked there. It, it makes my heart bleed for to see the children crying and, and women leaving their husbands. I lost the son 12 years ago, and I know what it's like for to lose someone, you know. Mm. But the, the, these people, I think, are after jumping on the bandwagon for to open this up. Think about our own first. What about our own people who have mental problems at the moment? The people who, who are not being housed, the people who are being evicted. No, because of this. Where are, they, where are they going to put these people? Okay, and just no a final point, thank you for that. Just a final point of that. You said it's not suitable anyway because it's remote, there are no shops, there's no transport, etc. like that. You think that they're cut off out there, is it? 
they will, it will, I will maintain that they will pull on some some kind of transport. But from October and Neil, I tell you something. It's it's so quiet, it's so remote. You're bang on. All you're doing is looking at the sea. And I hope that the people don't get mental problems themselves. And can I finish on this point? Yeah. These the Ukrainians will be bringing in because they're being shipped out with their with their their dogs as well. The dogs are not coming in for a rabies check. And if we walk the beach to all the people now, right? And there's one of these big use type of German shepherds comes up before before you're gonna think straight away, does this dog have rabies? Okay, you're the so second caller on there in as many days now that spoke about dogs coming in without any kind of medical or rabies checks. Is that true? Yes. Yes. But I don't if, see any. I don't. But see under normal situation, under normal conditions, bringing a pet or a dog into Ireland would involve certainly a lot of shots and perhaps quarantine. Would it? It would. Be, it would mean a load of shots, and it, it would mean at least five to six months quarantine. Good God! So no. that doesn't apply no. then for pets. Uh, hundreds of them coming coming with with families. No, it, okay. it does not. It does. Not. Okay. Okay. Thank you for that. Uh, the update on that actually is non-commercial pets with their owners from Ukraine and for other EU citizens currently in Russia wishing to return to the EU with their pets in emergency circumstances can enter even if the pet is non non-compliant for entry into the EU or missing documentation. So that's gobbledygook way of saying that pets can come into the country and into Europe from Russia or indeed from the Ukraine without having to go through the normal protocols when it comes to bringing a pet into the country, including, I imagine, uh, rabies shots uh, or testing for rabies. Joanne, good morning. Hi, Neve. How are you? Thanks for holding. You wanted to share a story, and it's a fairly typical story. It involves a son, is it? Yeah, I was on a few weeks ago. Yeah. Um, about the situation that they can't find somewhere to live. Yeah. Um, seems now even the dogs are treated better in this country than, than our own citizens. Um, yeah. yeah, so nothing has changed. Um, still looking. Um, as I explained, they're, they're not... When we spoke, the, 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 the clock was ticking. It continues to tick yeah. now, doesn't it? Three weeks to go, I believe. Is that right? Three weeks. Three weeks now. Um, they're both working. They've never had HAP or anything like that, paying privately for years. And as I said, the landlord is entitled to move back in, and that's what his plan is. So he's given them the appropriate notice, and they genuinely can't find anywhere to go. They're going to see viewings. So there's thousands turning up, well, hundreds. Um, a lot of it is overpriced that they can't afford. Um, now they're looking at things that they genuinely can afford because they're so desperate. Do you know that there are not- people offering to pay, uh, this on the air last week, they're offering to pay a whole full year's rent in advance? Yeah, I've heard. I've How can your son saying, or anybody... Com- you can't compete against that. Can't. They're just a normal <clears throat> normal family with a child trying to raise a, a child, um, getting up and going to work every day and the mental stress of not, you know, not knowing where they're going to be living in a few weeks. Um, she's getting on to the council. They're on the council list. She's a list of properties that are lying empty and some of them, and I can tell you, have been lying empty for years. Um they're not even being considered. So, effectively, that generation, the mid-30s that are out working, a lot of them having to move back in with parents if they can, they're just forgotten about. Mm. Mm. They're just totally forgotten about. What do you make of this new steering group or this new committee or this new sub-organisation that's been set up by the government now to turn around vacant properties? Well, like, they knew this was coming down. This situation is critical ever before the war. So they can pull out all the stops overnight to help everyone else. 
understand nothing about our own people. I mean, the war is going on in one part of Ukraine. Like when we had troubles in the north, families sent the children down to the south to keep them safe. Mm. We're not being asked, our people are not even being consulted if, if this is all okay with us. All our rights are being taken out from under us. We're here now, elderly people in nursing homes, they're taking their homes. Like this, this is the potential to get really, really bad for us unless we do something about it now. Why? Because vacant social homes will be brought back into use for refugees as opposed to Irish people. Yes, exactly. Yeah, but maybe what we could thank the people? maybe we could thank the refugees for helping us to get the finger out of the government's arse to get these homes done so that Irish people can then live in them when the refugees go home. Well maybe maybe so, but now you're talking long term now. I'm talking about the the imminent problem of families now that what they're facing in a few weeks, in a few months, where are they supposed to go? Mm. They, I heard stories now they can't even get into a hotel because they're booked out completely. So oh, yeah. Do, oh, yeah. Do, oh, yeah. do they honestly expect that generation to get up in the morning, go to work, pay their taxes, and have nowhere to live? Is that what they really want our people to put up with? Mm. Mm. If somebody has to stand up, Sinn Féin, they're being very quiet on all of this. Very quiet. What will There's your no son? What will your son do? Generation. What will your son do in three weeks if things don't uh, I, I have miraculously no idea. appear? I have no idea. As I said to you, he's very proud. He won't even come on the radio. And what happens when he goes to a viewing? You said there are many others at the same viewing. Is it? Oh, they're told like this. She'll give their references, which the, the landlord has given him excellent references. He's, you know, he says genuinely. He says he's moving back in. It's his property at the end of the day. Um. So they'll give their references and they'll meet someone, they'll meet the child and all oh, we let you know mm. and blah, blah. And then they hear nothing. Mm. They hear nothing. Time so after time after time. Nothing. Time after time. It's going on months. And as I said to you, they're on the council list. Um, like he has, he has a grand job. He's well able to afford to pay rent, but they're not even being considered. Not even being considered. No mortgage application in or anything, no? Would they've applied uh, the affordable housing but the problem with all this is you need to have savings and you need you know for your fees and then if you want to buy a house you need a deposit like it's impossible to save that kind of money when you're yeah, yeah. What, would, what would you get affordable housing will give you about 16 grand is it well I don't know because uh, they inquired about it and seemingly Dara O'Brien is taking his time and signing it off it's, the papers are uh, we were told the papers are sitting on his desk a uh, long, long time. Like you do get a you get a grant if you're a first time buyer, but when you look at a house that could be three hundred and fifty grand yeah. or maybe closer to four hundred grand, the money that you get from the state as assistance could be fifteen or twenty grand. It's it's peanuts really because the yeah. cost of the house well, is way too dear anyway. Absolutely. And I mean they could they 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 as I said should have bought work, they they could buy a home if they could save a deposit, but you're cost you know, catch twenty two when you're paying the big rent. You know, so that's what I'm saying is this generation are just totally being forgotten about. You know what some parents are doing now? If the parents have the deposit, let's say it's 30 grand, they're loaning the 30 grand. They're letting their son or daughter lodge it in their account for a period of time. The banks see the money. Banks really don't care. They just see the deposit yeah. there and they're happy enough. They they um, they allow the mortgage and then the son or the daughter flips the money back to mammy or daddy's bank. Well, well, lucky they're they're very lucky if they can do that. I'm I'm talking about the the generation that can't. The ones that you know? can't, yeah, they don't have that a mammy or daddy and, might have that kind of money. Yeah. And as I said, they're getting desperate. They're where they're going to live. 
how they're going to keep down their jobs with the stress of not having a home. And it's not fair. It's not fair that anyone should be going before anyone on the list. You know? Let me get some more calls on the air. I wish I wish your, your son the best of luck, even though the clock is ticking. Um, it is ticking, and I, wa- I just want the Irish people now to wake up and stand up for our kids. Okay, thanks, Joanne. Wake up, stand up for our own kids. Thank you, Joanne. Richie, good morning. How's it going, Neil? Good, okay. What's on your mind? Well, just like this. A year ago, you couldn't see your dying man. And now, all of a sudden, you're supposed to leave people, strangers, come in and live next to your man. But how do you how do you make that out? What do, what do you mean? I know like, you couldn't go like, and see your nan if she was in a care home or in a nursing home. Or like, yeah, but no. Well, obviously there's nans living at home, Neil. Mm-hmm. There's obviously going to be Ukrainians moving in. Sixty four percent of Ukrainians are vaccinated. Yeah, yeah, okay. And yeah, what? so what? COVID is just gone now, is it? There would be no obligation. I'm just thinking on on the hoof here. There would be no obligation whatsoever for a refugee to take a, a COVID vaccination to get into Ireland. No, but about all the trouble that we went through then, as living here for the last two years, and all, all the regulations are just gone. Ah, but then, have like, we reached a new low now, Richie? In all fairness, I have a fairly high tolerance level. But if you're telling me Ukrainians are going to kill our grannies, that's a step too far for me. Really? I mean, really? Oh, oh. Come on, man. You don't want it. You don't want. You, want, you don't want to be inciting hatred, like. No, I'm not inciting anything, Neil. But there's people going to be pulled from the rivers up and down the country. People that thought they were going to be getting homes, and now they're getting none. That's a different. No, I mean, I'm I'm okay with that. Really, that that is a valid comment to make. That they hear, okay, all of a sudden, all of this money can be found suddenly to look at all of the vacant social homes in Ireland that are going to rapidly be brought back into use. I'm reading from the Irish Times on this for Ukrainian refugees. That must be very disheartening for somebody who hasn't a home, can't get a mortgage, um, you know, being being outbid even on rental properties, and they hear this going on. I mean, absolutely, it's depressing. I 100% agree with that. You you said as well a couple of weeks ago, Neil, on a human level, should we feel sorry for Michal Martin? Like, if that's not inciting hatred, what is Neil? How? How is... I mean, in all fairness, are are you that much out of touch that you think that the Irish people feel sorry for that? Just think about what was the context of which I said that. You said, oh, uh, he didn't get to bring his bowl of shamrocks over to that other clown over in America. (laughs) That's right. I mean, on a human level, could you not feel for him like that? They have no humanity in them. (laughs) They have no humanity in them up in that doll, Neil. For what they're doing to the Irish people, they've no humanity in them. Well, you know, they give example and example every time. You know, of you know, you know wh- need, why look, you're probably uh, right in your assumption. Like I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with regular everyday people every day, and this. So am I, and like, I can't, I can't defend, like I can't this, defend me. that they can find three billion all of a sudden. I mean, it's uh, a joke. To be able to turn around vacant social homes rapidly when they couldn't do it all along. Where they yeah. pulled this rabbit out of a hat, I do not know. I can't defend that. So, Neil, that. I know it's your job to stoke up the flames sometimes, but don't insult people's intelligence. Like, there's no way in hell anybody's going to feel sorry for that man the- <laughs> because he couldn't give a bowl of shamrocks to, uh, to Biden I mean, over in America. I, I, that, the point... Okay, the point is a valid one, but he did travel. I'm not defending him now, but he did travel oh, but in an airplane. Wait a second, he did travel he in an airplane. What? 
he stayed in a mansion over there getting weighted hand and foot. Oh, he did. But I'm, the point I was making at the time was he waited two and a half years to get over to Washington. Oh, he couldn't do, wait a second to get, like, to, to, to get over there for uh, St. Patrick's weekend to give the president a bowl of shamra. He couldn't do it because of COVID. He gets one shot at it because he's going to be out now in December if the DPP doesn't prosecute him. Yeah. I know I that. I couldn't be happier. But, but I was just saying that it took t- two and a half year wait. He gets there. He, set, he settles in, he's got the bowl yeah. of shamrock in front of him, and he goes and gets COVID. And you know what? There's people like me praying that that happened all around the country, <laughs> Neil. Okay, okay. <laughs> all right, Richie. Okay, man. But, uh, Neil, can I just uh, shout up my YouTube channel? Yeah. It's called uh, Richie's Food and Nature Ireland. I uh, interviewed Ian Bailey on it as well. Richie's what? Food and Nature? Food. Richie's Food and Nature, Ireland, yeah. I did an interview with Ian Bailey and I do a lot of cooking and stuff on it as well. All right. Tell me about the cooking do you do. Do you forage? Do you go look uh, for no, things? Well, I, I just basically, uh, what I've, I've been always doing this, I've been, you know, going to beaches and I don't really drink or anything like, you know, so yeah. nature is kind of my enjoyment. So I, myself and my dog, Benji, we go around Ireland cooking in beautiful scenery and um, <laughs> I managed to snag Ian Bailey as well for an all interview so. all right. Okay well good luck I'll have, I'll have a look at that but the food aspect do you have a stove that you cook outdoors like on a beach I, or? I have a stove I got, I got it down in uh, Middleton for 20 euro the best investment I ever made oh, Where have you cooked like what kind of places I've cooked um, the Gap of Dunlow I've cooked down on um, down there um, <laughs> um, down Quimper I've cooked She's all over Ireland, Neil. What are you cooking like? Uh, cooking like, um, well, I cooked Ian Bailey fish and chips. <laughs> I cooked uh, like um, like my own recipe now, like uh, Doritos chicken. You crush up Doritos, you put it onto the chicken and uh, fry it up. Um, you make a breast and a bun out of it, then it's actually unreal. But uh, spaghetti and meatballs, just, just loads. It's Irish stew, don't wear... Um, down in a uh, dumb bag, is it? Dumb bag, uh, do you know the stone circle? Yeah. And do you. Do you I, I cooked an Irish stew down there where the druid used to cook years ago. Fantastic. And do yourself and Benji sit down and have a big feed then? Benji always gets his feed, Neil. <laughs> Benji's my best friend for the last 10 years. Uh, so, okay, so it's Richie's Food and Nature. Nature. Ireland, on YouTube. Yeah. All right, well yeah. done. I'll check it out later on. Take Thanks care, Richie. Lot, Stay in touch. All the best. Back after the break. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818 Red FM. Yes, indeed. Welcome with open arms, she says, into your home. And there's uh, 400 euro a month in it, mind you, with Helen McAtee saying that uh, the government will avoid, if possible, forcing people or businesses to give up property or to open their homes to Ukrainian refugees. What worries about that is we'll avoid, if possible. Anyway, back to the phone line. Celestine, good morning. Uh, line, I'll just change that line. Sorry, my apologies, because she's not on three, guys. So if maybe you want to check again and see if we can get that one sorted, and I'll come back to her in a minute. I got it. Thank you. Mary, good morning. Good morning. How Why are you? are you livid? No, the situation was I normally wouldn't come on the radio because um, I suppose I know a lot of people okay. and uh, they just flag me afterwards. Okay. Um, I was on there a few weeks ago and we actually, I work in a charity shop in town. I was in uh, Marymount, but now we're I'm in Down Syndrome, Ireland. Right which is a merchant's key. Now, when we were, when we were in Avroconk Street, we'd get a lot of, you know, um, people on the streets, or they could be in Simon, and they'd come down, and 
the people in Merrimont were so kind that, like, they'd come in, and I'd be honest, like, I worked with a lot of older ladies, but I was well able for them, you know, because I'd been, you know, I'd do clubs and I was involved with a lot of things mm. in my life. And, like, there's, first of all, there's a stigma on them because straight away people are frightened them, which is ridiculous. Like, maybe they're not dressed really well because they don't have the money. And, um, now this thing is coming in. We just had a conversation about it. My, my cousin Tracy was on with you the other day. The girl with that took in the mother and daughter. That's uh, right. Really. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, like, we, we were probably brought up as a family, I suppose, that were, you know, we were part of what we have. And um, I have no problem with that girl, and I'm constantly getting parcels. My friends would tell me, help out. Daughter, the daughter, the daughter started school, and the mother started yeah. working. Yeah, fair play. Yeah, yeah, but, like, fantastic, like, but I know a lot of people in the hairdressing line that can't get jobs, right? So, all of a sudden, no, I'm not saying this girl, no, because I'm not, I'm not saying nothing bad about this girl, no, you know, I'm, I'm not saying this. But, like, they're giving jobs now, too, of course, we Canadian. And I'm not saying that it could be anybody, it could be Polish. But God loves those poor people on the streets. A friend of mine and I'm her her cousin's son, the mother couldn't do any more friendship. She, she couldn't she bring him in food. She didn't even know who she was. Go away, he I heard that before, yeah. They, they were mams couldn't, weren't recognised by their own yeah, sons on like, doorways. Um, yeah, this boy, I know that comes into us at the moment. He was coming to us in Marymount, but no, since that closed, he comes into Merchant's Key. And even though, you know, he comes in, and I think he's kind of going on the street narrow, and, you know, and he's doing very well. And then he comes in, and we laugh, because my, my brother-in-law um, and his partner, they have the best stuff. And um, so I tell him, come in the Friday to me. So when he comes in, like like a fashion show, we'll be trying on the clothes, and mm. we'll be saying, you're fabulous now, you're beautiful shirt. And he'd be saying, but I never get an interview, like, because I have no address. Right? So the story. But what could he, just in his case, what could he work at? What would he be good at? He could work at? in a bloody kitchen. He could work anywhere. I mean, what you don't need experience for that. He'd do anything. No, I just wondered, did he have a skill, is all I'm asking. There's nothing to bite oh, my head off. I'm just saying, was he, like, yeah. He might have a skill, but I don't know. But look, there's every, every shop we went to the phone, there's um, looking for waitresses, looking for that, looking for that. And the minute they go for the interview, he, we'd be very upset myself and my friend over it. He said straight away, because I have no address, I'm trying to get out there. So about two weeks ago, he came into the shop, and my friend, my friend Euperia, we give him a lot of time. Everybody in there, it doesn't matter if they're millionaires, we, they're all the same as us. And um, he said, um, he said, keep your fingers crossed now, he said, because I'm hoping to get it in flash, you know. And we said, let us know now when you get it. And, you know, and he, I said, I have a son the same age as you. Yeah. Um, and I said, he's loads of gear, you know. Beautiful stuff, and that I bring into the shop. And I said, Next time you come in on the Friday, you come in to me. And I said, Even if you want to give me five euros for two or three things, because I'd feel guilty if I gave not when they're running from the shop. Yeah. So he comes in, and as the weeks are going on, he's progressing and progressing. And of course, we'd be saying, Your friend, but he is, he is lovely. You know? Where does he sleep? No, he was kind of, we say, no, you need to move around a little bit, Mary, because the phone's breaking. I'm just curious, where does he where does he lay his where does he lay his head at night? Like, no, he gets out to get the little two bedroom place up in Partridge Hill. Okay, and he was in Simon. So in the morning, then he'd be inside and he'd put his head down. But they're all left out in the morning. I suppose they have to do things, and they're around then until night time. They have to seek and they get a bed again. 
But he now has been given an, his own apartment. Okay, I'll come back in a few minutes' time. Joanne. No, I'll come back in a few minutes' time. Let's see if uh, Celestine is there now. Celestine, good morning. Line three. No, have you got a problem with that? Maybe I've got the problem with it. I can't find her anyway. Call him. Here, yeah. Oh, there he is. Is that you, is that you call him? Yes. This is bizarre, these phone lines, man. Anyway, listen, thank you. Um, you want to pick up on our topic of conversation this morning? Go ahead. In connection with the quality hotel. Yeah. yeah it's a pure shambles, to be honest. Did you, did, you, did you have a job there? I did. Okay. And do you still have a job I there? Did. No, I don't. Right. Up until when did you have the job? Cricky, uh, I don't think what they were. Two days ago. Two days ago. What happened two days ago? Uh, I just got an email and said there was no more, no more work there. So you got an email two days ago to say you were being let go, there was no more work there. What, what, what kind of work did you do at the hotel? I worked all over the place in there. Yeah, but like, what, what would a typical day be that they're saying there's no more work? What would a typical day have been oh, for you? Oh, kitchen quarter. So there was plenty of cooking when done. And still is going on. And were you working there long? I was there five months. Five months. And were you? Were there others like you who got an email two days ago saying you were being let go? Well, I, I, can't, I can't confirm that there was. So you do? Do you know if any of your I colleagues got so. it? Can you hear me, Colm? Yes, I can. Yeah, a few, a few. Okay, so a few have got same, same, um, uh, like kicking the ass, really. Okay, and did you get any severance? Yeah, go on. Severance? Yeah. <laughs> oh, no sevens. They don't believe in that, don't they? Are you owed any money? I'm owed a hundred and thirteen hours. How come? What What does that mean? You're owed a hundred and thirteen hours. What does that mean? You mean you worked a hundred and thirteen uh, hours? Yeah. That you haven't been paid for, is it? That's correct. Yeah. And why wouldn't you've been paid? Surely you'd been getting a wage every week. I was getting a wage every week. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, extra hours I had to put into okay. holiday hours, if okay. you get me. So that would be, you're yeah, estimating yeah, that as I being over a thousand euro? Uh, it would have been nearly 1,300 euro. But you know, when the, when the hotel brings in refugees and they, and they, and they move in, well, the hotel will cook for them, won't they? It will, yeah. Okay. And, like, I thought my job was safe because I worked within the kitchen. Yes, yeah, a busy kitchen. And a kitchen porter is a very important part of the kitchen. Otherwise, it would just grind to a halt. It is. And I, just to clarify for any person out there that has been involved in kitchen portering, it's the toughest, toughest job. It is. In. It's a tough, tough job. It really and truly is. You're literally cleaning, washing, hosing down, 
over and over and over again. You have to be very fit. You have to be able to handle a lot of heat. You have to be able to handle water, hot water a lot of the times, and intense pressure. Yeah, I, I, oh, absolutely. Look, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, to believe, uh, uh, then all of a sudden, there was a lot of, uh, there was a lot of uh, talk coming up to this for the past two weeks. Mm. You, were, you weren't on six months probation or anything, were you? Uh, what do you, mean? you know uh, that like, like somebody is saying here that if you were working there five months that you could have been kind of on work probation for a six month period and after the six month passed you'd have to be made permanent and that's why you were let go at five months you know so that you know sometimes it can be a three oh. month thing others it can be a six month no, thing no I didn't I had a contract there gotcha I had and a contract what was the contract for uh, 12 months. Okay. And do you, yeah. you, you believe this is, a, do you believe this is as a direct result of them flipping over to becoming a care centre for refugees? Well, to be quite honest, no, it's Neil. I don't even know who they are. You don't know who I the owners are? So many, I, I don't. I, I, do you? No. No. No idea. The only thing's been said and and stuff like but uh all I know is that I'm letting limbo here. And it, what happened on Side in the Hall, uh in the quality hotel is wrong. It's wrong. Okay. You were I'm talking fine. to a man there a while ago called Dave. Yeah. And he lived in uh, one of the cottages. He owns one of them, his, his, his son owns it. Yeah, well, yeah, I know, I know of them. Anyway, are you? Sorry, no, it's not a great phone line. I'm very sorry to hear you lost your job. Will you be able to find another one? No. In these times, yeah. Our job, why our job? Within the hotel? No, somewhere else in the town. Okay, I don't know what happens with our phone lines, guys. Sometimes they just go completely rogue. It's one of those times, I think. Dan? Dennis. Dennis, my apologies. You don't mind if I call you Dan, do you? No, no, my, my father was Dan, so... All right, says, <laughs> says Dan on the screen. You want to correct me? Go ahead. In what way? I don't want to... I'm just saying that, that this is from the government's web pages. That on arrival, any pets from Ukraine must be presented to the department staff in the point of entry, along with any relevant documentation. Some pets may be non-compliant with EU regulations for a variety of reasons. In this, in this case, the Department of Agriculture, Food and Marine, Veterinary Services are taking steps to bring these animals into compliance with the legislative travel requirements to protect domestic population uh, from, and from public health. These interventions will include identifying animals and providing a rabies vaccination and tapeworm treatment, etc., at the point of arrival. Okay. So you so, don't have to worry about uh, you don't have to worry about them coming in because it's all taken care of. That's, so every so every single pet that's coming in, contrary to what people are telling me, will get a rabies shot 
And other other shots as well? Yeah, tapeworm, it says. So I assume tapeworm, and I don't know what else they treat. So if they come into Ireland with rabies, they get this shot and they no longer have rabies, is it? Correct, yeah. Okay. You're protected. If you okay. have the shot, though, you're protected from rabies, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and the only, thing that's, the only thing that's been temporarily halted or stopped is the need for those pets to go into any kind of a quarantine. I would have thought so. I'm just reading from the department. The department knows far more than I do. I'm just yeah, but I read that. out earlier on that special measures are in place for people traveling with pets from the Ukraine. I wanted to know what were those special measures. That's the special measures that they have. Um, they would be non-compliant normally entry into the European Union if they didn't go through quarantine. They don't have to go through quarantine because it's a war, but well, they will get they will get the shots needed when they come into the country. Okay, yeah, that's that's correct. Yeah, but good man. Let Let's be practical about this. Look at the people from Ukraine and the way that they're treating their animals. If Ukraine is subject to rabies, don't you think that all dog-loving, cat-loving Ukrainians would have their pets protected against rabies. I, haven't a clue. I, I imagine so. I haven't a clue. I mean, just responding to a caller on this program who says he doesn't want to be running down y'all beach, he's a pensioner, and get bitten by a rabid Ukrainian dog. That's all. Man. He's fine. And even if he does, sure, he can get treated for it. Okay. 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 Thanks for that, Dennis. Appreciate it. Text 0868 Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818 Cork's Red FM. Okay, let me just jump in with some various uh, topics uh, that we, well, texts that we have from topics over the last couple of days. We're talking about uh, slapping children. That was an email that originally came in from George um, because it's illegal here. It's illegal in Scotland. It's illegal in Wales, but not actually illegal in Northern Ireland or in England. Um, mind you, one funny one says, the world would be a better place if we stopped slapping children and started slapping truck drivers who block up the Jack Lynch tunnel. Um, my God, the memories you're bringing back, and they're not good. I was a twin in 1959. My mother didn't really want children. I was told my twin brother actually died. I have a death certificate, but I could never find out where he was buried. I could never find any other record of his death whatsoever. I found out about 50 years later that he was actually given to the nuns for adoption. Uh, I could never understand why my mother hated me all my life. Daily beatings. Everything I did, I got into trouble. Wooden spoon, bloody noses, lips, welts on my legs. Uh, bust lips, I suppose. It seems I was a constant reminder to my mother of what she had done. I was sent off to boarding school where the priests used to leather and cane us. When I was nine years old, I was sent there for six years. There's a difference between giving your kid a wee slap and hitting your kid. Please don't. Uh, Trauma from a slap. Is that woman for real on the air? If you get a slap, it means you've done something wrong. You'll think, if I do it again, I'll risk getting another slap. If I don't do it, I won't get a slap. Obviously, you give them a few warnings and then you give them a few slaps. Um, that woman is right on air. We're living in fear of those that didn't get disciplined growing up. Antisocial behavior has gone through the roof in the north side in particular. A small bit of fear is good fear. It's called a healthy fear. It's mad around the north side at the moment. We're living in fear that nothing will happen to them until they get to the age where they can be locked up and they know it. They can't be touched until they come of age. That's a hell of a long time for us to be putting up with it. It probably is a hell of a long time because when they turn 18 and move on with their life, there's another shower of who take up the responsibility of acting the maggot. 
you know, it's intergenerational. That's why, like in Spain, there are four or five different police forces, from community policing, domestic crimes. Uh, they are trained with uh, all the way up to high criminals. They carry guns and are very approachable at all times, as well as being well managed. I know corruption still goes on in every walk of life, but kids don't show respect full stop. They're now controlling our society as they know what they can get away with. Uh, now, another problem to complain about. Uh, is it good to watch a travelling man, uh, now a gent, getting 33 million for knocking another man out? Uh, violence never works for any age or any part of society. That's uh, Tyson Fury, King of the Gypsies, uh, the British boxer and the Irish traveller descent, beating Dylan White at the weekend and getting 33 million for his troubles. Well, why not? <laughs> You wouldn't refuse it, like, would you? I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. 104 to 106. Red FM. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Anthony says, can you bring your memory back to a number of weeks ago? You had a member of the travelling community on your show looking for a home as they were living in deplorable conditions down in Little Island. I do remember it. Thank you. They informed you at the time that the council had told them they were keeping housing for Ukrainian refugees. Council denied it at the time. Well, look at the situation we find ourselves in now. Councils up and down the country are buying and renovating houses. Wait for it for Ukrainian refugees. Can't come on, Neil, but please read this out. Let me jog your memory. Well, you are right at the time. Uh, Traveller family did tell me exact that, exactly that. They were told they were told it by council officials and council officials denied it. But we are where we are now and there's nothing you can do about that. It's a bit like workers down at um, uh, the uh, Quality Hotel being told, and I'm reading quotes here, workers are understood to be assured of job security. The head of operations declined to identify the new owners but said that staff had been assured job security. But yet, ten minutes ago, I spoke with a chap on air who got his notice down there and there ain't no more job. Uh, text 0868104106. So uh, you couldn't make this up at the moment with regards to the left hand not doing, not knowing, etc. Joanne, good morning. Good morning. Hi, how are you? You live in private rented HAP accommodation, is that right? That's right, yeah. Okay, okay. House. okay, so you get the HAP and then you supplement the rent yourself, you top it up. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Now, my 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 comment was, like, um, why can't, like, if, if these um, council are going to be given council houses to riches, then what they have to go through is terrible and fleeing their, leaving their homes is terrible. But if it's only in the short term, why can't they give the people that's on the housing list their house, their their council houses, and put the poor, unfortunate Ukrainian families, which is mostly women and children, uh, into like the likes of my house, which is a four bedroom house. You could you could house two, three families in there. Do you know it won't be ideal, but it's only for an emergency, short term solution. That the state would hire print would would only hire private rented properties, and anything that was refurbed in the social housing area would be given to uh, people, people who are on already, the list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because when when if the if the Ukrainian or whoever else gets it that, that they're only getting it for a short term, the council are still going to have to bring that house back up to standard again for us on the list to go into it again. So then they're going to be a waiting list. Uh, I know of one house that was up on the CBL um, before uh, Christmas, and that house is still vacant today. 
Why? Obviously, people bet, obviously people bid on that house, didn't they? Well, I put in for it, and I know of another person. My friend is, um, she is in in a council okay. house. She's got four kids, but she's only in a three-bedroom house. One, her youngest is autistic, so she's looking for a bigger house. And again, that would have suited her in her actual estate. Um, but they're saying she's adequately housed. She like, kind of, but she kind of is. Is is there issues? Well, where she kind of is a, in a in a three bedroom semi is a is a typical traditional family home, isn't it? Yeah, but she's got four. She's got four children. One oh, eighteen. Four. Oh, I see. Yeah, 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 yeah. One and they're like two. The older two are two, a boy and a girl, and then the younger two are a boy, a boy and a girl. Yeah, yeah. And the young, I know. you know, but like, like I understand the housing crisis, but right now it's it's oh. It's treat that this money has come out of nowhere, and they're gonna house the Ukrainians that come in, and then they're gonna have to bring them houses when they go back. If they go back, they're gonna have to bring them houses back up to standard again, and they're gonna be lying empty for how long? See, the anger here should not be in any way directed to people coming into the country. Not, not for a second, all. please. Not I don't, I'm not it, interested it, in that kind of nonsense. No, but the anger no, no, really no. should be turned on the government and government arms and politicians. Who all of a sudden, kind of pull a rat, this rabbit from the hat. Find, exactly. find find three billion all of a sudden. God knows what they found for COVID, but probably that was necessary. I don't know. Hundred percent. But now the three billion would be uh, to uh, pay hotels, pay guest houses. Don't know how much they're paying them, but obviously it's a good commercial decision for the hotels and guest houses. Oh, and by the way, let's how, how also refurb all of the vacant property. From the UN, how much are they getting from the UN? The government know. getting for, for the UN to house uh, house people? It's a bit of kick. It's a bit of a kick in the teeth to the likes of you. Uh, who were on housing lists for years and nobody uh, paying any attention or notice to you, though, isn't it? Like I, like I'm adequately housed. My, my, you know, I'm, I'm fine. You know, but and I'm not going through any traumatic. Thank God, but it's, I don't have my own house per se. You are, but you, you know, could like, be, out, you could be out in six months' time if you got notice or twelve uh, months. This time. is it. This yeah. is it. And my, my uh, I don't want to even say too much because my lease was up. I haven't renewed my lease, so he can just give me tw- thirty days' notice, which he won't. But I hope not. Well, um, he, he but better, like, you better renew that lease. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, I think it would, it would happen. It's, it's, I think they automatically okay. do anyway. five okay. yearly or something anyway. But it's. It's it's all government and it's all paperwork and it's all bureaucracy or whatever that word is. I can't say it. Like it's and to keep the fat cats fat. But why would houses be put up on the on the CBL and um, them not and, ready yeah. and not handed out? But were they, they not ready? No, were they not ready? But so why was it put up on the CBL then? They were ready. They must have been ready. Now, this is May. Girl, this is pretty much May now. That's six months ago. Why have they not yes. been? There's, there's, uh, and I rang specifically about this house, and they told me that house was allocated. That was in January. It's allocated, but you're like, this is six months later. But like, why haven't yeah, they moved and in? There's nobody moved into it, and that's only one house that I'm a hundred percent sure about. All right, okay. But now, now they'll be able to fast track it. Well, that's where the anger should be, the ability to find the money to fast track a system that was broken all along, and nobody had the will or the way to do it. And even even like some of these houses that um, that have been they moved on to other houses, they like they strip things out and bring it back to bear because they have to have every house the same. Why waste all that money? I know, I know. That, that'll probably change now. You know that that well, whatever's that, that's been whatever's been it should have always been that way. If it was yeah. habitable and perfectly functional, leave it alone. Yeah, exactly, all exactly. Right. But no, they have to have more paperwork to do and more. You know, keep the fat cats fat and and and. 
give them some some jobs too. My heart goes out to that poor man that did on before as well that lost his job in in the kitchen. Mm. But and it's gone off what I was talking about. But uh, if he was on a twelve month contract, surely to God he should have some legal. Um, I don't know what the situation. All I know is that we're told that their jobs were safe, and he says he's a staff member that was let go. It's very unfortunate. Thanks, Joanne. If you came late to the program, I was telling you this morning of a chap who was in touch who knows different construction companies who were employed by the council, so they bring local authority housing back online, for want of a better term. He says, I know of quite a number that have been done in the past two years, and they still remain vacant. Here are some examples of the vacant properties. One is a six-bed in Mayfield. Another is in Glencree Crescent, uh, which is a one completed property, two years and still unoccupied. There's currently one in Shannon Lawn, one in Lagan Grove, two in Annerley Grove, one in Ballanderry Park, two in Cloyne, all done by one particular construction company in the last two years, but none of them handed out. There are three others in Yaw that are just finished and five in the middle of completion in Cove and Carrick Tool, and none of them as well have been yet handed out. And that's just an example from one punter who happens to know of one construction company in isolation, just exclusively doing work for the council on properties that are finished and still not let out. Uh, Paddy, good morning. Hello, Neil. That woman there now was able to say a lot of what I was going to say. But what I was going to say, really, the point I'm making is that <clears throat> I'm all for housing everyone. The Ukrainians should be housed and the oil should be housed. Everyone should have a roof over their head. But what's going to happen is now, in my opinion, and I think I'm living in the real world, um, Ukrainians, we say they get a house here now, and they're here for, we said two years. And they decide to go back to their homeland again then after two years living here. What's going to happen to their house then, where's that, that they were living here in? What's going to happen to that? What will happen then straight away? You tell me, because... It'll, uh... it'll be boarded up, Neil. To be boarded up, and we'll be back to square one again, to where we were all all the time. Well, it will be boarded up if nothing is learned from this. But if something is learned from it, it won't be boarded up. It will be checked. Somebody will go in. They'll have a look around it. They'll say, this house is perfectly habitable. We need to do very little here now. We won't be ripping things out like we did years ago, wasting all that money. We're just going to turn it around quickly and get another family in. I mean, if it was a private That'd business, be- that's the way it would be run. That'd be great, all right, Neil. But it just as Ireland know, like you know, they don't teach back. Yeah, if nothing up. is learned, if nothing is learned from this, you are right. That's what will happen. Up will go the shutters it, it, again. But just, but who's making the final decision in the council about well, turning the house? Well, I suppose road? that local councils, right up to the city manager, are given rules and regulations by central government or the housing department within the Dáil our departments within the Dáil to tell them how to do their business. You know, they don't make up the rules themselves in their defence. You know. Well, well, there must be a top dog making all the decisions about Housing holding Minister. up the houses. Yeah, Darrell O'Brien would be the top dog there. Well, why don't you get him on and ask him why are the houses being boarded up? Why aren't, why aren't, well, you can make a person sign a disclaimer, go into the house as it is, as is, and like, it wouldn't it be better than sleeping in a doorway? Surely be the guy, they, they wouldn't care what house to Ah, yeah, all of that, and be very careful as well. If you have a private home or a property that you're not living in, but that you own, that's locked up and you're not using, they're coming after that. They're coming after it. Yeah, well, I suppose. Why is it idle? But whose business is it if you own it? 
Well, I don't know, really. That's a hard one to say. Yeah, because they're now suggesting, well, we don't want to have to come after you, but we want people to do these things willingly. Helen McAtee, she said, we will avoid, if possible, forcing people to give up property. We will avoid, if possible. Yeah, but Neil... Well, they're coming after private people with private houses. But what about all the houses boarded up? Then that aren't private at all. Who's who's to answer for them? Who's going to? Why are they boarded up? Well, now why are they coming after them? Well, now they're going to give local authorities the money to fast track repairs to get those back online. Well, it's a long time coming. Anyway, long how many years? Long time coming. A long, yes. long time coming. A long time yeah. coming. Yeah. All right, my man. Thanks for that, Jer Flanagan. Jer, good morning. You're the chair of Y'all Business Alliance. Is that right? You also own some businesses in town. That's right, Neil. Yeah. One yeah, quick question before I let you off and running. What'll happen with Iron Man now? Well, Iron Man has a three-year contract with Cork County Council. Iron Man will be in Y'all for the next three years. Um, there's no question that it's not going ahead. There's over five and a half thousand athletes entered for three events over or over the three days. Yeah, but I hear that the hotel has cancelled the Ironman bookings, isn't it? Yeah, there's a difficulty obviously. There's there's two hotels in particular who have uh, cancelled Ironman bookings, but um, there's there's great um, support locally and there's there's um, obviously there's going to be a, there's a fallout uh, consequently, but there's a great response from local families who are opening up their homes uh, to competitors and visitors from all over the world. So there's there's a network of people who are coming on board. It happened in 2019. A lot of people uh, did stay in, in private houses. Um, people opened up their homes to Ironman. That's happening this year, but at a much faster rate, obviously, because of the nonsense over the last uh, week. And um, anybody who's interested, there's um, an Ironman. Uh, it's IM Cork Local Info or I am Cork Visitor Info if you're interested in getting involved. But there's no question mark over Ironman. Um, there's a lot of accommodation um, coming on board, um, probably as a consequence or a result of what's happened over the last week. Okay. And um, okay. huge support locally for the event. Okay. Um, do, you, do you know who owns the Quality Hotel? Um, they're varying... Um, uh, no, I, I definitely no. It, it's supposed to change management. Uh, new management came in uh, from what I'm hearing on Monday. Uh, there is also reports that maybe some of the previous directors are also directors of the new company. Okay, that happens that, a lot. That, that yeah, I, you I, can I, have that, 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 yeah. Yeah. I, I, I really don't know what the, the situation is. I suppose from... Do you know anything about... I mean, I think the build originally was somewhere in the region of six to eight million. It's changed hands a couple of times, in and out of NAMA. Um, I imagine that do you have any kind of cost price on purchase price or anything like that? No. Uh, were, it was rumored that it, were, it was um, purchased um, the, not previously for a few hundred thousand. Um, you know, um, I'm not sure what's mentioned now, but I. But in the past, it was bought for a few hundred thousand. Oh, yes, yes. That, wow, that isn't that a real reminder of uh, of the Celtic Tiger and the crash that followed and properties going into Nama? Yeah, there was it was, it wow. was frightening, really, and of course, a lot of people lost a lot of businesses, and you know, very unfortunate time for a lot of companies. And yeah, but lucky for those who could pick it yeah. up at a knockdown price, right? Oh yes, yes, wow. obviously yes, and then okay. obviously then to maybe maybe flip it and, and make flip a, a nice profit down the road. Okay, um, okay. you know, yeah. Okay, yeah. so, um, so the, the general consensus and opinion, and y'all, what's that like? 
Uh, I suppose there was a bit of anger and there was maybe um, a bit of resentment to, you know, what has happened. Um, like, there's wholehearted a welcome for the, the Ukrainian visitors. Um, under no, on, uh, everybody is, is open, welcome with open arms, but it's really, I suppose, what has happened. There's probably anger towards the government that maybe the whole thing could be managed better. There are government facilities and, uh, you know, property of the government owned that could have been used and, you know, wouldn't probably have uh, had such a devastating effect on, I suppose on y'all, the all tour season not y'all exclusively because this is no, happening no, all over the country so do you so what because yes. I don't understand did the, did a government department or a government agency reach out to hotels and make an offer to them that they couldn't refuse or was it the other way around that hotels said okay well listen we'll, we'll, we'll flip the business model and take in refugees because we're guaranteed more income across the year who made the calls do you know in the uh, what I have heard, and, and, and I, I just, it's only hearsay that it, it came through government and through probably the council's um, corporation, Carcount Council, that accommodation had to be found um, quickly uh, at a local uh, level. And they looked at hotels, they looked at um, other accommodation providers um, because obviously there was an urgency to house. So it was, um, co- it was local councils and government made yes, direct approaches to yes, hospitality. Yes. That's my understanding. Okay. Uh, but I, again, I, I, I don't have, um, you know. Okay. Um, but it's not. It's not just y'all. It's not just Ireland. No, it's not. No. Like, no. like there have there are Ironman events who are affected all over Europe because of this. Other countries are taking in Ukrainian refugees in other countries, and they have similar problems with accommodation accommodation for events as well. Okay. Okay. What? Well, and just will it have an impact on tourism this summer? It's going to be a huge impact on, on tourism because uh, we had three hotels in Yall and the two of them now are not available for tourism. We're a tourist town. The boardwalk is a huge draw for people, um, day trippers, uh, as well as uh, people staying for longer periods of time. The Greenway is about to open. Um, uh, there's rumour some of it may open this summer. Um, and again, it'll have a knock-on effect in East Cork. People won't have accommodation in Yall, so they'll go elsewhere yeah. um, yeah. if they're going on a trip. So it's going to affect all the local businesses, anybody, restaurants, cafes, um, you know, irrespective of what you're doing. It'll have a knock-on effect definitely in Yall for the summer. It's unfortunate. Okay, maybe an opportunity for people uh, to get involved in Airbnb maybe, do you think? Yeah, there's a, a huge opening for Airbnb, and I suppose we, we, I suppose we didn't have huge amount of accommodation to start with, um, and there's definitely an opening for Airbnb, maybe uh, a, a park for camper vans, uh, glamping pods, all of that type of accommodation, uh, huge demand for it, because as I said already, the boardwalk, the longest coastal boardwalk now, is a huge attraction, a huge draw for, for the area, as well as all the other amenities, the fabulous facilities here in East Cork, and in all particular, and um, it's, a, it's a lovely place to visit and uh, it would be nice if people could stay maybe one or two nights extra or you know you got it okay big up East Cork is a beautiful place thanks for taking the call Jar, chair of the Cork of the Yall Business Alliance now uh, talking about beautiful places I meant to mention this yesterday but I, I ran out of time when the sun is shining uh, there's no more beautiful county in Ireland and I travelled up on Sunday to Fromoy it was a beautiful day it was such a mild warm day the sun was shining I hadn't been in Fromoy in years in fact it was incredible to drive into Fromoy because it reminded me of when we all drove through Fromoy 
Moy on the road to Dublin because you went right through it and over the Blackwater and up the hill and continued on. Of course, now you have the motorway, so you miss beautiful towns like Formoy. It's just a gorgeous place. Now, I was up there for a spot of lunch. A buddy of mine, Ed, uh, one of the chefs that I had down in the... Uh, and the boardwalk back in the day went out in his own and opened his own beautiful restaurant, fabulous cafe called Cafe Ed. And I was up there to have some lunch. There was fabulous food there. And some of the best buffalo chicken wings. I, I was expecting them to be very good because he, he really, he, he crafted the wings down on the, the boardwalk years back himself and Chef Dermot. But they were absolutely fantastic. Then we had some beautifully pan-fried uh, hake and some beautifully pan-fried trout. It was gorgeous. Food was gorgeous. So it's a lovely day there and thanks to everybody. But just walking around and driving around y'all, it's such, it's a real classic, it's a class act, isn't it? The old buildings, though notwithstanding like any, any big town in Ireland, some of them are derelict and they're, some are boarded up. But a lot of new businesses, uh, businesses have started to open in, in Formoy. And I also noticed a lot of signs up looking for staff, staff wanted in lots of different shops doing lots of different things of aspects of retail and tourism looking for chefs and people working kitchens and, and hotels but it was very very busy on Sunday there lots of people around lots of families sun was shining beautiful big park area the fantastic majesty of the of the Blackwater River and gorgeous gorgeous buildings really absolutely I'd say in its heyday for Moy must have been one hell of a rocking town and it still has that now I mean like anywhere you know you're going to find buildings closed up and Hopefully businesses will open there, but it was a fabulous place to be. Great to go back to somewhere that you hadn't been in a long, long time. Back after the break. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818-104-106. Red FM. Uh, just with regards to slapping children, the Christian brothers were the paramilitary wing of the Catholic Church. Says a texter here to 0868-104-106. Neil, no child is bad from the beginning. They only imitate their atmosphere and their surroundings. Morning, I was listening to the Two Norries podcast. They're two former prison inmates. People, you know, can turn their lives around in prison. It's for rehabilitation as much as it is for punishment, says Martin. Yeah, I accept that, but I I will always believe that there are far too many people being sent to prison, people who don't actually belong in prison, uh, probably deserve some sort of of sentencing or some sort of, um, you know, uh, debt to society, but I don't think prison is the right place for everybody. Um, repetition, repetition, repetition. Over and over again, we hear it. It's always the same. If I hear one more caller on your program talking about stiffer sentencing, I will just start crying. Thank you for that. Uh, your conversation with Michael Moriarty, not the Baldy Barber, is outstanding. I 100% agree with him. People are afraid of thugs in Cork and it's disgraceful and only getting worse. Uh, the world would be a better place if we stopped slapping... Ch- oh, I did that. That's the one about slapping... Don't slap children. Slap truck drivers who blocked the, block the Jack Lynch tunnel. I com- completely agree with 100 years for killing somebody. But I think the EU laws will not allow us to do this, or EU masters. Um, Some believe that in the case of murder, a life should be a life. As in, if you take a life, you serve a life sentence. Not for manslaughter now, but for murder. On the issues of domestic abuse, please bring up the fact, Neil, because you don't often enough, that men also go through this. Domestic abuse, coercive control, bullying. I did. And yes... Shame gets in the way. My child was ultimately used as a weapon against me. I would never see him again unless I gave up every penny. Yes, shame won till my son got to a certain age. 
I had over a dozen years of absolute hell. You know, this is so sad. I've been going through this with physical abuse for over six years now with two small children. But I mustered up the courage and now he's in jail. Court tomorrow, which I'm nervous for as I'm just a soft touch. But this lady on air with Neil and her story being shared has made me feel so much stronger. And it can do make you feel much, much stronger. How did you get on in court? Because I believe the court case, you know, you sent me that text yesterday. So the court case is today. Um, I was in my I was with my now ex-wife for many years. By the end, my confidence was in pieces. I was constantly put down and told I wasn't good enough. I was paying most of our bills as a husband does. Then I'd be called tight because I hadn't any spare cash. I pay maintenance now for my kids and I personally have absolutely nothing left. It was always like that, but it built up and got worse and worse over the years. And that's it again from uh, another man's perspective. Don't give out my details. I would like to raise the fact that when it comes to coercive control, there's actually no protection whatsoever for the adult child of an abusive adult. It's a scary place to be and there's absolutely no protection whatsoever. There's protection for the adult parent of the adult child, but none the other way around, which I find bizarre considering plenty of adults have had trauma or abuse in their childhood. And one final one, tell that lady on the air that I too went through something similar and felt the same way. And I got massive help through therapy, which is available through the HSE. Trauma counselling is available. You can get a referral from your GP and it will let you to move on from the trauma in your life. My life has completely transformed since doing so. The memories are no longer there. Sorry, they are there, but his name and his memory no longer impact my life in any way regarding anxiety or distress, distress or being distressed, I suppose, is what the text was saying. Anxiety and distress. Um, and just one or two different topics then. Um, I'm surprised that you would make such a throwaway comment earlier in your program about the risk of being shot in America by a cop, particularly if you're black. I think those kind of comments from you aren't helpful and do an injustice to the American police force. I don't want to make this or anything about race, But for the record, can I remind you that more white people are shot or killed by cops in America? Thank you for that. Richie's talking through his rear end. Refugees do not have access to welfare payments. They receive a payment from the state called Refugee Support Payment, which is 38 euro per adult per week and 27 per child. I believe the EU is using a disaster fund to financially support the cost to EU countries who take in refugees. Uh, you're suggesting there that we are not coming up with the three billion ourselves. We're getting it from the EU. Even if that were tr- true, where do you think the EU gets its money from except from EU members? Where do you think EU members get the money from except through taxpayers? And I'd have to double check because I don't believe that uh, refugees coming from the Ukraine are getting uh, a refugee support payment of 38 euro. I believe refugees coming from the Ukraine as adults are getting PPS numbers and can claim full social welfare of just over 200 euro. That was my understanding of it uh, last week. Unless that's changed, I certainly can check it out. Anyway, text 0868104106. Calls on the way. The Neil Prendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 0818104106. Hi, Rebecca. Good morning, Neil. Thanks so much for for getting in touch. You have a bit of a sad tale to tell about the predicament you find yourself in with, uh, is it your husband and your child? Well, it's more so me and my husband right now because my my child is actually with a friend at the moment. In Holland, I believe, is it? 
Yes, indeed. Okay. So I was just trying to piece together your backstory. You married in Jamaica, is that right? Yes, indeed, we did. Okay. And then, but you had a council house in Cork at the time, is that it? Yeah, I had a council house in Cork at the time. Were you in that on your own? Yeah, I was there on my own. Okay, for reasons that we can't go into now, you yes. you alerted the council that you could no, no longer remain there, is it? Yes, okay. and that I that I was requesting if I could uh, switch or have a transfer. Okay, and I was told that wasn't that wasn't the situation at all. Okay, and how long did you have the property? I think I was there for about a year. And did you yeah, li- almost did, a year? Did you give it back to them, or did you just leave? Well, I had no choice but to, because I was fearing for okay, my safety so and just the safety to, of my just, baby, so I had to go. Okay, so you and just... And I came, I, I went then to the Netherlands just for um, for the safety of myself and my child, you know. Okay, and then in the Netherlands, what happened there? Uh, basically, in then in the Netherlands, you know, um, I was bouncing around from place to place trying to, trying to find safety and stuff, and... My friend put me up for a little while, but they couldn't. They couldn't keep me and my me and my husband on. So basically, we were left without anywhere to go, and we just asked my friend and could they mind on to the to the child so as we could actually come back to Ireland to try and okay. uh, stabilize stuff. And that's so where we you could are have now. a house and yeah. yes, yeah. indeed. But previously, that you did go to Jamaica. I can't understand the timeline here. You had a property in Cork, which you left last year. But previous yeah. to that, you were in Jamaica in 2019, on, getting married. Yeah, just on, just, on, just on holidays, you know. Okay. You, fell, we, you we fell in love. Yeah, basically. Okay. Well, I knew him from, from a mutual friend. So we just kind of got together, I think, after half a year. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And then he left Jamaica, came with you. And, uh, he came up to the Netherlands, yeah. Okay. To okay. us, so. So you and your husband are now in Dublin, um, yes. and your child is still back in the Netherlands. Yes, indeed. Okay. Um, why? What? Holland was? Did you have friends there, or did you know people there, or something? Well, I just like I say, I just had fled Ireland for the safety of me and my child, and you know. I went to the Netherlands then in hope that there would be some form of sanctuary there for us. So, but it didn't work out that way, you know, so. And then your husband came from Jamaica as well and you stayed in in, in the Netherlands together. Yeah. And we were trying to, trying to start things out if you, if you know what I mean, because with him, we say, okay, things might be a little bit easier, but it didn't work out that way. So. So you couldn't settle down in Holland and get jobs or either of you skilled or anything like that? Well, my husband has his big international forklift license. He was previously working for the Jamaica Defence Force, so he has skills. Yeah. And myself, I was working on and off. I've done work in hotel, front office administration and thing, you know, so... Because both both those jobs are highly sought after in Ireland, forklift drivers and people to work in hospitality. Yeah, and that's what I noticed as well, you know, but right now when we came back... Like I was actually, we were up at Dublin Airport. We we stayed there for two nights. We were trying to find somewhere to stay because I'm sure you're aware it's 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 not an easy situation to be in when you no. come back to Ireland and you've nowhere to go. Yeah. Um, yeah. Were you in Dublin Airport we, with refugees? No, we were just staying in the in the terminal, the arrivals terminal. For two nights. For two nights, yes. 
And we got no, as I'm sure you can imagine, we got no sleep, you know. Where did you go after the two nights in Dublin Airport? Well, we were reaching out to um, to the county council, county council. We were told to ring the 1-800 number in Dublin first. And they, they diverted us back to Cork because I was living in that area previously. Okay, so the Dublin, went, Dublin County Council and City Council won't deal with you because you are already on the books of Cork County Council. Yes, and when I actually contacted them, they told me um, that they're not going to put me on the emergency accommodation list, me and my husband, and basically they just give us the runaround and, and say, listen, you need to get help in, in Dublin, you know what I mean? Yeah, but you told them that Dublin won't deal with you. Why, I wonder, did they say they won't deal with you in Cork? Is it because you already had a property and gave it back? Yeah, well, I didn't really give it back, but yeah, it's because I had a property. They knew the situation that I was in, a very uh, hostile situation, let me put it mildly, and they just kind of basically fobbed me off, so to speak. So did you leave the property, but somebody else remained on there, is it? I left the property, but they gave the property then to somebody else. Okay, okay. Yeah. So what do you? So where have you been living since the two nights in Dublin Airport? Well, we've been in and out of um, homeless shelters in Dublin. You know, just a one night here or one night there. Other than that, we've literally been on the streets. So you have been staying in homeless shelters for what? Four or five nights? Yes, yeah, since well, yeah, because. We're back almost a week, so... What are, what are they like, those homeless shelters? Well, one of the last one I was actually staying in for a few days was actually quite nice because, you know, there was just two people in a room. It was like a little, a little house that was shared with a few other females. Yeah. So it wasn't too bad, but the vast majority, you have a lot of people in there and I, I'm, as I'm sure you're aware, they're not the, they're not the most... Um, pleasant places to be staying but when you have no other option you know you have no other option do you feel unsafe in them in the one that i'm staying yes to be honest i'm not going to go into all the details but it's not the it's not the safest of places and where my husband is at the moment isn't the safest of places either so (sighs) far from ideal yeah and how long is that how long is that sustainable to be bouncing around from homeless shelter to homeless shelter I have no idea. Because neither but authorities will deal with you or put... They won't, you can't get bed and breakfast or a, or a hotel room or anything. They're refusing all of that. Yeah, they're refusing all of that. Because they, they keep diverting me. That one say they can't deal with me. This one say, okay, you know, you were already, you were already on the housing list and you left that house go. So we're not going to put you on the emergency com- accommodation list. And, and if you go on any list, on it'll be a housing list where you'll be at the back of it. Exactly. Okay. And tell me, would would Holland be a better option for you? I mean, you know, or would Jamaica be a better option at this stage, seeing as you believe Ireland has turned its back on you? Well, for us, going to Jamaica isn't isn't really an option. You know, we're just trying to get ourselves established so as we can work, we can find our own place, you know, and really settle down for the, the, the sake of the family. Whereas if we go to... Holland or Jamaica that don't really make make things any better. Do you have family that can help you out in any way? Um, that's something I can't really, I can't really go into. Yeah. Okay. You know because there's a situation there, a legal situation. So. Okay. I don't know. 
I don't know what your next step is, you know. There's an awful lot of people crying out for properties and looking for homes and on eviction mm-hmm. lists at the moment as private tenants. Their properties are being sold by landlords. The housing list has thousands on it. What would you like yeah. to see, what would you like to see happen? Well, to be honest, even if we're just in in like um like a B&B or something, you know, just together for uh, a short period of time so as we can sort all, out all the all the paperwork and everything necessary so we can move on and try find find our own accommodation from there, you know. Would your husband need to obtain some kind of a work visa? No, he has the EU residency, so he's just waiting his uh, PPS number. So as soon as he gets a PPS number, he can go to work, driving forklifts, working on construction. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. But- you know, and himself, himself, he even, himself, he even wants to wants to even help join the Gardaí as well because he's very much the the law side of things, so to speak. Yeah, okay, okay, I get you. I mean, I, I, the people listening to this will be will be shocked, I suppose, that, you know, an Irish woman would come back with her child and nobody wants to talk to her, Dublin City Council or Cork County Council. But but some might say that you you had the house and you and you blew it, but you're saying there were circumstances that you had to get out of it. I understand that. But now you're looking some for somewhere to home yourself, your daughter and your husband so that you can get a roof over your head and start working and having a life at home and providing for the family pretty much yeah do you worry a lot about that and very much so i'm i'm sure you can you can you can empathize with that mm-hmm. because i know a lot of people are crying out for for help especially irish people mm-hmm. you know i see i see a lot in the streets here but i just feel so um so disheartened that that's what um is going on here at the moment that they're just bouncing around, bouncing around, pass, playing the ball of pass it back and forth, you know. Why don't you just come to Cork and present yourself to City Hall as homeless? Because you are homeless. Well, in Cork, they told me they're not going to deal with me point blank. No, but if you just present as homeless yourself and your husband at City yeah. Hall, they would, they're obliged then, if you have nowhere to go, to put you in B&B or yeah. maybe a hostel, unfortunately, you know. Yeah, and they and they say they're not going to they're not going to do that. It's up to Dublin to to deal with us. Well, can you not do that in Dublin? Just present us absolutely homeless, potless, roofless. They'd have to do something, or maybe this is what they've done. They put you in homeless shelters. Is it? Well, that's that's all they do for one night here, one night there. Then we have to be waiting around on the street, make a call at ten o'clock. Then they say, okay, no call us at twelve o'clock or two o'clock or eight o'clock. Just to just to have a bed for the night, you know. So before you know where, before you know where you're supposed to go at night. Yes, precisely. And how do you spend the entire days? Well, we just we have no choice but to spend it sitting around and waiting to be able to make the call. Basically, there's not much we can do because we're there with our the little bit of luggage that we have. We have to sit around with it, wait until we're told, okay, you can stay here, you can stay there, and then carry all our luggage to that destination. So you never leave the homeless shelters, you just go from one to the next based on whenever you get the phone call? Based on when they take the phone call and say, okay, with the bell available here, you have to go here. Other than that, we're out on the streets with all our belongings. You're split up, the two of you, aren't you? Yeah, we're in two different places. Yeah, yeah. And how are you for money? Well, I'm actually just waiting on the, the, the homeless payment at the moment. I have applied for it. So we currently don't have anything, but you know, we're trying to trying to start that out. Do you miss your daughter? I bet you do. 
Yeah, very much so. It's very difficult. Yeah, I can imagine. She's been well cared for. Yeah, she is. But she's not with her mother. No. And do you, do you expect to be reunited with her anytime soon? Well, like I say, we need to we need to have accommodation first, you know, because she can't come into a situation where okay, mom and dad are on on the street. <laughs> mom and dad are on the street. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, dad could be in Simon, and mom could be in Edel House with the baby kind of thing. Yeah, and that wouldn't be ideal either, having all of us split up here, there, and everywhere. I know, I understand. Is there anything else you want to fill me in on? No, I think I think that's that's roughly it because you know um, that's just the situation we're facing right now. Uh, do you mind if I send this on to Cork County Council to see what they have to say on the matter? Yeah, I have no problem. I'm not promising anything, but I just want to make them aware of it. But they probably are already. You're saying because you've been in touch with them. Yeah, and they've and, and they've categorically told you they won't deal with you. Go stay in Dublin, and Dublin have said they won't deal with you. Go to Cork. Pretty much. Yeah, yeah, and but each of them know that the other is saying the same thing. Yeah, there, okay. and the one even here in Dublin actually see the the letter from the one in Cork saying that they're not going to give us emergency accommodation. So, okay, let's see what they have to say on the matter, if anything at all. Will you stay in touch and let us know how the coming days are? Yes, I will. I'm sorry I couldn't be of more help to you, but you never know what might happen, Rebecca. I know it's frustrating talking to the likes of me without any result, but um, it's important. No, you your know, story. for me, for me, it's more awareness for what is actually going on in the country. You know. Do you feel bitter that it's hard for one of our own, as the fellow says, a national, one Irish person? Not getting well, help I don't, when others do. Well, I don't. Well, to be honest, I don't feel bitter. I just feel more hurt and betrayed by the country, you know, because what what happened to to helping our own? Okay, all right. Thank you for that. Um, do stay in touch, will you? And I'll be back to you if I have any updates. Okay, that that's perfect. Sorry for your troubles, Rebecca. Thank you for taking the call. No problem. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye bye. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818 104 106. Cork's Red FM. Okay, last bit of business for now. The Canton continues. Ed Sheeran's finished with Dublin. He's done his gigs up there. He's on his way to Cork. I believe they're starting to put the rig together. I'm told, anyway, down at uh, Parky Cueve. And I've got a quick opportunity to catch up with the promoter behind all the gigs, the one and only Peter Aiken. Peter, good morning. How you doing? Not bad. Good. Give us all the goss. Is he in Cork? Where is he? Where is he staying, incidentally, Peter? I'm not sure. I'm not sure where he is. He's uh, he's in Ireland anyway, but I'm not sure where he is. I think he's having a couple of days with the family. Yeah, because he's over with the wife and his child, isn't he? And I think he yeah. has Cork family, I think, doesn't he? Wexford, I think. I read somewhere yesterday that uh, he's got family in Cork and he says, I'll go and see him in Cork and Limerick and places like so. that. Yeah. I'm yeah. so. Yeah. so. But he's definitely having a few days break. He did it in the two shows where... He was exhausted after them, as you can imagine. First time he's performed in, you know, nearly four years, I think, you know, so he was exhausted after it. You never know until you get on the stage. You can do all the rehearsals you want. It's like playing football. You never know until you have That's just play. it, yeah. I was talking to Phil Burke here, who went up with the, with the breakfast yeah. crew. He says, the sound is awesome and the lighting rig is incredible. It is. It's, it's, I've never seen it. I mean, I know it's my job to promote, but I mean, it's no, it's no spoof to say that it's the most spectacular show I've ever seen, ever. Really? Yeah, it is. The way the lights are, the way it's in the round, there's a perfect view for everyone. The sound is pitch perfect because it's, it's in the round, you know. And that would be re- uh, replicated 100% in Parky Cueve, will it? Oh, yeah. It's going to look amazing. It's going to look amazing in the park. And uh, 
it is uh, spectacular. Uh, he's got it's one hit after another. Yeah, he does everything from his traditional stuff to or folk type of you know like singer songwriter to hard rock to hip yeah. hip. You were quoted during the week as saying he is the biggest music star in the world at the moment, yes. yeah? Well, it, it, there's seven of the songs that he plays have over a billion streams. I don't <laughs> think there's any other artist in the world that's even close to that. I know. We're just delighted to have gigs back, whether it's, it's, whether it's Ed Sheeran or whether it's the return. Welcome back to life at the Marquee, incidentally, yeah. as well. <laughs> It'll be great. Can't wait. Can't wait to come back. We've got the biggest female pop star coming to the Marquee with... Olivia Rodriguez. Oh, know, man, there's got to be tickets knocking around. But that's a complete and utter sellout. My head is oh, wrecked. No, I know people. that. But it's just, it's great for us. I mean, when I look at all the tour dates of what she's doing around the world, and I just see, you know, she's playing all these massive stadiums in America, and then I just see the Marquee Cork. It looks great. You it know? does, doesn't it? Along with Simply Red, Riverdance, Coronas, Pet Shop Boys, yeah. Christie's back again, Tommy's back yeah. again. Yeah. Crowded it's house. Like the phenomena that's Joanne McNally, you know. That's and right. She's playing a storm, come. isn't she? Unbelievable! Fifty nights in Vicker Street, and she sold out the marquee, and you know, a day and a half. Yeah, I think she did. Like, I don't know, at least a fortnight in the Everyman. It's brilliant did, to see. I think she did twelve nights in the Everyman. It's unbelievable. Great to be back. I know that. Know I know that Ed likes to do a bit of socialising and hit a couple of pubs. Will that happen yeah. on Lee side? Do you think? I don't. I, don't I, I can't speak for him, but I mean, Ed is uh, like it, it's hard <laughs> to come down after a show that he does. You know, it's very hard to come down after it. So. Who knows where where he'll end up? He goes, you know, he's a, he's his own man, as as they say, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, we can guarantee the weather for you anyway. That's for sure. You're going to get both well, it, it days like, and nights dry. It looks like it's going to be great. You know, it's going to be great, and uh, we can't wait to get back. And you know, the show's going to get better and better as it goes on because, it was, like I say, Dublin was the first show, and it was amazing. So I'm really looking forward to it. I'm just arriving in the cork at the moment, so it'll be great. Good man. And do you do you expect more ticket sales between now and the off? I think there's still some yeah. for the Thursday there's night, a, there's some Friday the night. night. Yeah, the Friday. There's a few around for the Friday night, but there, it's not. I think there's such good feedback and a lot of people from Dublin and you know the people who had attended the show in Dublin have snapped up tickets as well. So I don't think there'll be much left on come Friday afternoon. You know, that's brilliant. Well, we love the buzz, and you're all more than yeah. welcome. It's going to be two great Thanks, days and nights on Lee side. Great to catch up. Thanks, Talk Steve. soon, Peter. Take care. All the best, Peter Bye. Aiken. Don't know where he's staying. Uh, where would you think, like, if 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 Sheeran now was staying in Cork, where would he stay? I mean, you can say your Hayfield Manors, can't you? You might say them. You know, maybe you might say Castle Martyr. You might say Fotar, places like that. But I can't help but thinking if I'd skin in the game now and anybody asked my opinion. I would say the Montanati, wouldn't you? I mean, it's got the beautiful, beautiful views right down onto the city and the river and the whole panoramic view. And then, of course, you'll even be able to see Parky Creeve, the gig, from the balcony and from your bedroom so you can have a look at things how they're going. I think it would be a great spot, but I have no idea. Um, the rumour, the rumour apparently doing the rounds is the Kingsley, but more than that I can't say. I'm out of time, guys. Lines will stay open. Text 0868104106. Email neil at redfm.ie. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.